Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. 1410 ESPN Radio and on the stream at wingam.com. everybody welcome in it is the justin kinner show with kev nash live here on dayton's espn radio station 1410 wing i am welcome in and we, it's going to be interesting hearing his take on that and listening to a lot of the shows throughout the day especially out of columbus uh, a lot of people pretty bummed that ohio state michigan will not be in the final week of the season but i don't know why people were anticipating that it would be in the last week of the regular season when you look at the pattern of Rivalry games from around college football. I mean, you look at USC, UCLA, Arizona, Arizona State. Now, I'm not saying that those. Uh, I'm not saying that those rivalries are on the same level as Ohio State, Michigan. But when USC and UCLA are rolling, yes, I mean it's a it's a huge rivalry in college football. Still not putting it at the level of Ohio State, Michigan, but you see my point. So we'll get into that coming up with Keith Byers uh, around the corner. Also, Max Kellerman, ESPN's first take, uh, and he will be getting his own show coming up, debuting on the 17th. ESPN's Ma- uh, Max Kellerman will join Kevin and I coming up at 4 o'clock. Excited to talk with him. You know, when you watch first take, Kev, uh, he is not the most uh, confident about the likelihood of being able to get a college football or an NFL season in at this point. Uh, so I kind of know the answers he's going to give, but I am curious uh, the reasons behind it as far as that goes. And, uh, it's almost like working with me every day. Yeah, that's what I need. <laughs> Two negative people. I put out the thing today. I said, can we stop with the whole disclaimer of if there's a season? If there's a, As of right now, the Buckeyes have a schedule. As of right now, Ohio State is kicking off the season on September 3rd. As of right now, Ohio State will kick Michigan's ass in week eight. As of right now, all of that is going on. I don't need people raining on that parade with, if there's a season. Oh, I can't wait for Christmas. If there's Christmas. Well, what? Man, I can't wait for my birthday. Well, I hope you're still alive on your birthday. It's like, man, you, will you guys just chill? We just let people breathe and be excited? Huh? I mean, come on now. Come on. But, uh, yeah, so, again, ESPN's uh, Max Kellerman at 4 o'clock. He'll be calling into the show and looking forward to talking with him coming up around the corner. The Cincinnati Reds last night losing to your Kev. I'm talking to Kev, okay, keep in mind. I have the cameras on you. Go ahead. Show off. There you go. We did Uh, it. Yeah. We did it. (laughs) Cleveland! Uh, Right off the bat. This is for you! Right off the bat. (laughs) Chris Cunningham on Facebook, uh, he says, Reds bullpen sucks, and so does David Bell, uh, right off the bat. I I think that, is this going to be a pattern moving forward where every time the Reds win, we don't credit David Bell. We say, well, it's about time you do what you're supposed to, and then when he loses, fire David Bell. I want to be clear here, I'm not on the fire David Bell train yet. For one, I think that's working in the business that we do, and we're working in it at the, I mean, from a sports radio perspective, down at the bottom. I'm not trying to pretend that we are this large-ass network here, but in our business where everyone thinks that they can do your job and tell you how to do your job, um, oh, get them out of there, get some, you know, whatever. And we hear for every host out there, I mean, uh, first take, people don't like Stephen A. Smith. People say he's horrible at his job. Ratings and everything else show otherwise. Moves the needle. So I'm not a fan. I hate when other people say, oh, you know, that person needs fire. So I'm not going to do that when it comes to uh, managers or coaches or players or whatnot. But David Bell cost the Reds another game last night. Point blank. And uh, we'll get into that coming up around the corner as well. How much of that game did you get to watch? I watched most of it. I was flipping between that and the NBA games that were on. And uh, I turned it on as soon as the pitching change was made. And then... 
We so started scoring runs. It's amazing how that happens. I, and in all honesty, I wasn't really watching because y'all were rolling. And I was like, all right. It was already like when I finally got home, it was already one nothing. like in the, I want to say, third inning. And I'm just like flipping back and forth. And then I turned on. They were making a pitching change. And the wife was like, so we about to watch them lose. I was like, no, nah, they're bullpen's trash. We about to make a comeback. Bink, bink, bink. Got the lead, baby. Uh, I mean, and this is coming in. Uh, this is coming in on Facebook as well. Uh, Chris Schultz says, uh, Justin, do you still think Bell was a good hire? And again, when Bell was hired, I believed it was a good hire. And um, I still don't think Bell is the wrong hire. I, again, I know I criticize Bell a lot. I, I am not saying that he should not be the guy. I think you can. I think it's safe that you can criticize managerial philosophies and that not automatically equal, oh, I want him out of here. Because I do think the players respond to him. I do think the players respect him. I do think um, that that fans are just only basing their opinion based on the decisions he makes. And a lot of my opinions are based on that. But I still think that for a guy that, I mean, last year was his first full year as a manager in Major League Baseball. Year two, mm-hmm. it's a completely different, I mean, this isn't your regular baseball season. It's not a yeah. regular sporting season for at any level. Um, so I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt. But the problem is, is that the decisions that he is making that is costing the Reds games, they're the same decisions that cost the Reds games last year. We can't always say that when David Bell switches pitchers in the sixth inning and the and the bullpen comes in and closes everything out and say, oh, see, David Bell knows what he's doing. He knows his bullpen. But then when David Bell goes to the bullpen and they cost you games, then we just say, oh, well, it's not David Bell's fault. I mean, he's not out there pitching. He might as well be. Because here was my complaint about last night. Tyler, Tyler Malley started out a little slow. Mm-hmm. And by slow, I just mean from a pitch count total because he was not. He gave up one hit in six innings, uh, and then the last couple of it, the last three innings, he pitched. He had under twenty pitches in three straight innings. He was getting better as the game went on. Last night, the Reds lose four two. Had a two zero lead, only give up one hit heading into the sixth inning. David Bell pulls the plug on Malley, and the Cowboy during the broadcast said he goes. I, they're going to look at pitch count and pull him. I believe he was at 96, if I'm not mistaken. I think he was sitting around 96 pitches. Uh, and the Cowboys said, they're going to look at pitch count and pull him. He followed that up with, but you, you, everything you do needs to be to win today's game. You only have 60 games. Every, there's, every decision that Bell makes needs to be about winning tonight's game, not being worried about 10 games from now. And that's the. And I, I put it out on Twitter with a little clapping emoji. I'm like, absolutely. Like You, you, gotta, you have to stop worrying about 10 days from now. Because, for one, to go back to my point earlier about getting tired of people saying, oh, that's if there's a season. If there's a season, you don't know what's going to happen a week from now, 10 days from now, 20 days from now. Just focus on winning games right now. And I think that that's, I mean, David Bell is always trying to play the long game. Well, the problem is it's not a long season. Mm -hmm. And when people like to bring up the fact that, oh, well, the third time through the order, David Bell was trying to protect Tyler Malley from going the third time through the order. Well, let me ask you this, folks. And a lot of people went at me on Twitter and defended David Bell. And I said, well, can you convince me, can you convince me and yourself that the damage that could have been done on the third time through the order was going to be worse than the first time through the order for the bullpen? Because I'm not concerned about the third time through the order ERA for these starting pitchers. I'm more concerned about the very first batter that the bullpen faces every single night. And sure, they had a good couple outings against the Tigers over the weekend. Fantastic. Um, but uh, there's going to be nights where that happens, where they look good. But more times than not, I think you have to trust, or not trust, you have to know your bullpen by now. It's only 11 games in. But you want to minimize the amount of innings that they have to destroy a game. Had he let Tyler Malley go seven innings and pulled him and then brought in the bullpen and they blew it then, I wanted to blame David Bell. That's strictly on the bullpen. 
I blame David Bell when you have Amir Garrett also in the bullpen and you let two pitchers go in before he even touches the ball and then you bring Amir Garrett in to not hold the lead but just uh, not let the lead get bigger? I mean, th- these are the things that frustrate me with David Bell. I'm not calling for his job. Um, I'm hoping that some of these are learning curves for him. He used to never have the same lineup in back-to-back days, Kev. Now he's had the same lineup for almost a week straight now. That's something we didn't see a year ago. Maybe he's adapting a little bit, but I do think he overmanages the pitching. What do you guys think, Reds fans? I appreciate you tuning in and hanging out with us here on Facebook. Uh, if you're tuning in uh, on the air or streaming us live at wingam.com, make sure you like us on Facebook and follow along because you'll be able uh, to watch the show as well as interact. In fact, here's another example. Sean Cook, he comments on Facebook that it's a short season anyhow. Why can't starters doing well be left in seven Eight or complete games, Sean. I'm not gonna. I'm not a big complete game fan. Um, I'm just. My mindset is seven innings. Your starter should be able to get you seven innings. Bring a middle relief guy in for the eighth inning and your closer in the ninth because Rocio Iglesias has looked really good. All right. I trust him in the in the ninth inning. Yes, he's had a rough year and a half with the Reds, but a year and a half ago he was considered top three closer in Major League Baseball, and we've seen glimpses of that as of late. And I'm fine if the Reds, uh, you know, go back to that route. But the problem is, is we're using four or five pitchers a night. That's why we go without seeing Strope or Garrett for you know three or four games because he you know he uses so many pitchers in a game. Stop that. And where he has a pitcher that they will only pitch in this scenario. Strope will only be used here. Garrett will only be used here. Uh, and you can't do that. You can't do that with your middle relief guys. Your best pitchers need to be coming in or leave your best pitchers in the game. Tyler Malley was not slowing down last night. I mean the Cowboy was right. If you base it off pitch count, yes, get him out of there. Take the pitch count philosophy away. And just use your eyes and your gut, and Tyler, that will tell you, oh, Tyler Malley's good. Well, I'm worried about him, you know, five or six days from now. I don't care about five or six days from now. Then you can make a pitching adaption there, but right now it's all about winning this game. Because what happens if you try to save him for five days from now and you lose this game, and the same thing happens a couple days from now. Oh, I'm worried about him ten days from this day. Then you lose that one, too. What good is all that doing? pitch these guys it's a 60 game season that is all that matters justin on facebook says deadline for opting out of the season do you expect a large number of players declining to play this season for the nfl justin we're going to transition into that in a moment Uh, espn's max kellerman we're going to talk about that with him coming up at the top of the hour lots of reds comments still coming in i see one from brian here brian says last year twice on the show i said that the reds should get Nick uh, Nick Castellanos in the offseason. Your former, your former partner both times shrugged it off as me being a homer. Well, look at that MVP candidate now. Uh, Chicago Brian, now located in Greenville. He says, go Cubbies, go Irish, and Jordan's still the go. Damn it, Brian. I need to read these before I bring them on. <laughs> I wanted to have got to that mess at the end. Go Cubbies, go Irish, Jordan's still the goat. Come on now. Brian, thank you. Great hearing from you, uh, Chicago. Brian, I appreciate you uh, messaging in. So a lot of people messaging in on the show, and you can as well, by tuning in and watching live on Facebook. Brian, Justin, Steve, uh, Sean, Chris, I appreciate all the messages. Uh, we're going to get to these uh, more of these messages on the other side. Watch us live on Facebook. Keith Byers joins us coming up around the corner, and ESPN's Max Kellerman at the top of the hour. He'll join Kevin and I. Don't go anywhere. Mm-hmm. Goodyear knows why we all love basketball. It's the sound of the buzzer, the roar of the crowd, the swish of the net. It's the spin on the ball as it's released, the squeaking sneakers before an inbound pass, the timeout that gives us perspective on the moment. 
We love basketball because we love movement. And now that it's back, we're asking you, the fans, what moves you? Goodyear, more driven. The great thing about facts, they're proven. Like the fact that crude oil contains impurities. Or that base oil made from natural gas is 99.5% free of impurities. And the fact that Pennzoil is the first synthetic motor oil made from natural gas, not crude oil. It gives you unbeatable engine protection. The proof is in the Pennzoil. Based on sequence 4A wear test using SAE 5W30. Ask for it at the Mopar Service Center at your local Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram dealership. ESPN Dayton's Fan Hotline, 937-210-9676. Something on your mind? Let us know. Leave a voicemail. Ford and Kinner Show with Kev Nash. Back to the famous WING Studios. Here's Justin Kinner and Kev Nash. All right, everybody. Welcome back. Justin Kinner and Kevin Nash with you here on Dayton's ESPN radio station, 1410 Wing AM. Game three between the Reds and Indians coming up later tonight. We'll have your pitching matchups as well as your lineups for tonight coming up here around the corner. Uh, I just checked a little bit ago. They weren't out yet. I'll continue to keep an eye on for when, those, when that Reds lineup comes out, and we'll take a peek. At that, as of like the midpoint of the last night's game, the Reds had no clue what the upcoming rotation was going to look like. There was some debate on whether or not we would even see Trevor Bauer pitch against his former Indians team. That is not going to be the case. So we'll have the new rotation. Same guys, just a different order now moving forward. And, uh, you know, it's they're still trying to figure I mean, Tyler Malley, basically, with the way he performed last night, the way he's basically pitched in his first two games this season, Wade Miley looked horrible. And he got a good, you know, view of the game last night. They were kind of talking about how he was kind of sit behind home plate, you know, had a nice little view uh, with no fans in the stands. Uh, but Kevin, you know, last night the, they had the cardboard cutouts there. Saw Pretty that. cool. I mean, the fans they looked kind of bored. <laughs> that was actually funny. I, I mean, that. it was a great game. They were glued to their seats. Oh goodness, I don't know about that one. That was a little corny. Huh? I mean, some of it was. A lot of them were older, looked a little stiff. Come on, Eddie. I mean, keep them coming, people. We got any, uh, I mean, the cardboard cut. I mean, yeah. <sighs> Looked a little bored. That was my favorite one. <laughs> That's a good one. It's my favorite one. Uh, but I don't know how many of you out there actually uh, paid for that. But they do look pretty cool. My thing is I only wouldn't do it because, I mean, how many of those could you actually see? I mean, unless they would do a close-up shot of it. But, you know, it's worth it. I, I don't want to be in the middle. You get covered up the whole time. Those should be cheaper than the ones in the front row and everything. Just saying. All right, Justin Kenner, Kev Nash, back with you here. Again, we'll talk more about the Reds uh, coming up here in just a little bit. Uh, Reds will be back in action looking to kind of rebound after last night's loss. The bottom line is we know the Reds have great pitching. We know that Iglesias has looked stronger um, over the last week and a half, and that's really what is most important. But what's also most important is the fact that that bullpen right now, the middle relief guys, and to no fault of their own, this is why I think the Reds had offensive issues last year. Is David Bell, there was no set roles. It was a different lineup every night. And sure, the numbers might show that, hey, when this person bats at this in the, at this spot in the order, their average is this. But do, you, do, do those numbers take into account, okay, he hits this batting third, but 
that's his average batting third, being in the lineup batting third for 10-plus straight games, being comfortable in that spot. I don't think guys are comfortable batting third one day, sixth the next, fifth one day, seventh the next, and that was the David Bell approach last year. Guys never looked comfortable. This year, guys are getting comfortable. Nick Castellanos is an MVP candidate, which, by the way, I'm not a big fan of talking about MVP candidates a week and a half into the season, but I understand the rush to get to that point, mainly because there's only 60 games. (laughs) I was about to say Um, that. And the season, and absolutely, like, there's also people out there like, man, if the season ended today, the Reds would be in the play. Stop. We're 10 games in, 11 games in, and the Reds are under 500 right now. So let's, you know, and there's a reason they're under 500. The reason they're under 500 uh, is for, yes, the pen has struggled, but I think it's been the management of the pen. Maybe they lose last night, Kev. Maybe they still lose last night. If they keep Malley in for one more inning and they give up the lead in the eighth inning. But I think Reds fans can stomach the eighth inning loss more in regards to, okay, yes, it sucks to lose, but I would I don't think fans could put that on David Bell. If you took Malley out of this after the seventh inning, because that's all you really need to ask your pitchers to do, get you seven. Bring in your middle relief guy in the eighth, closer in the ninth. It's common sense. And when your bullpen is struggling, why would you want to give them more innings to be responsible for? The more innings your bullpen is responsible for, the more likely um, that you know they're going to be in you know position to mess it up. So, so. For, for, for me... I look at it kind of like at a football aspect. I'm not one of those people that talk about play calling. Mm-hmm. You know, if a coach calls a draw play on third and 15 and he pops it for 15 yards, what a great call, right? So that's why I don't play that uh, game. Well, that's with, why they call with it play. the Monday morning quarterback <laughs> yeah, Monday or whatever. Morning quarterback. Yeah. So for me, when I think about managing styles in baseball, I look at it from where – when are the pitchers going to do their job? When is the bullpen going to come through and execute? If I was a Reds fan, that's what I would be saying. Like, mm-hmm. okay, he's making these changes. He's pulling them early. By now, everybody knows this is the routine that we're going to be doing as a team. Not only from the team, the guys on the team, but upper management knows this is our MO. This is what we're going to be doing. When is it going to be on the player? When is the player going to execute? When is the bullpen going to execute? How come the same pressure isn't on the actual player for not executing. Why is it all on the coach or manager in this situation? Uh, and again, I don't think that anyone, like no one is saying that the bullpen sucks because of David Bell. Everyone as a unit, I mean us as Reds fans, are all coming together as a team to say, we know that the Reds bullpen sucks. We are screaming, if you know that they suck, why are you continuing to go to them in these situations? So it's more along the lines of, okay, you got David Bell who knows that the bullpen is struggling, so why would you give them three innings to be responsible for versus two? Oh, well, the third time through the order for Tyler Malley is not very good. Well, let me ask you this. What's the first time through the order? for the bullpen look like? Because I promise you the numbers for the first time through the order for the bullpen look a lot worse than the third time through the order for the mo- probably the best rotation in baseball right now. At least from, for one, on paper, yes, and two, just for how they've lived and performed up to the hype thus far. So that kind of answers your question. I don't think anyone is giving the players the benefit of the doubt and saying it's not their fault. We're acknowledging that, but we're saying, hey, we all know that they're bad, but David Bell, stop giving them three innings to be responsible for every night. Hell, last time Malley pitched, they gave him four innings to be responsible for, and he only gave up two hits in that outing. So that's why David Bell's getting a lot of the heat, because he's taking out pitchers who are showing no signs of slowing down. And I think that's the problem. Uh, Kev, Ryan Strong, uh, he reaches out on Facebook. And by the way, if you are out and about listening and don't know, we are live on Facebook, so make sure you follow the station on Facebook and tune in live. Ryan says uh, on Facebook that as soon as Bell went to the bullpen, he knew it was a wrap and that we needed that W. Guess I was wrong, Kev. <laughs> we didn't get that sweep. Uh, Ryan, yesterday at the end of the show, was talking some smack to Kev, saying the Reds were about to sweep the Indians. So 
Uh, there is that. Um, go Tribe. Yeah, Go Tribe, exactly. How about uh, Justin, again, on Facebook says, it would be priceless if they did cardboard cutouts of the fans from Major League. <laughs> you should be all about the Major League movie. Charlie Sheen out there. Exactly. Uh, more, this is uh, from Ron Mor- More from Ron Moreland. How about that? Uh, Bell chokes just like Baker Mayfield, a lot of talent, but scared to produce. Ron, you just had to get that in. See, here I am minding my own business. haven't even taken a Bengals shot yet. By the way, did you see the video of Joe Burrow connecting a pass to A.J. Green and the Bengals fans just jumping for joy? I don't know. If, I don't know who they were more excited to see: Joe Burrow for the first time in a Bengals jersey, or AJ Green for the first time in two years. I'm not really sure which one they were more excited for, but uh, he, he they started it. Ron started it. He is horrible. <laughs> Uh, that's what else they say on Facebook. You got to know how to use uh, pictures. Absolutely. So keep the comments coming again. If you are, are out and about, follow the station on Facebook and watch the show live on Facebook. You'll be able to comment and interact um, as far as that goes. ESPN's Max Kellerman going to join us coming up here in 20 minutes. Uh, so make sure you stay tuned here for that. Plus, College Football Hall of Famer Keith Byers. He's going to join us here in studio as well. The Ohio State schedule is out, or at least the new Ohio State football schedule is out and if you're watching on facebook take a look there ohio state will open up the season on september 3rd at illinois on a thursday so when i ask you well what's what are all the things you see that's wrong with this schedule for one you're at illinois it's on a thursday night and oh yeah how are you closing out that season who who are you playing in that final week of the regular season that well for one it's an open you know but it's an open date on that but iowa uh not michigan so a lot a lot to cover and we're going to get into that with keith byers as he joins us next this is the justin kinner show with kev nash on 1410 espn radio let's talk a little college football with a guy that knows a thing or two about college football definitely not us keith byers joins us next Skinner Show on 1410 ESPN Radio and on the stream at wingam.com. All right, everybody, we welcome you back. Justin Kinner, Kev Nash with you here on Dayton's ESPN Radio Station, 1410 Wing AM. And there was uh, big news earlier this morning. And uh, again, I don't know why the Big Ten did this. At 8 by eight o'clock, they announced, hey, at 845, we're going to release the schedule. I'm like, okay, I can wait. So we knew, there, we knew there was going to be changes. We knew it was going to be different. I mean, from the time that the Big Ten had announced that they were going to go to a Big Ten-only um, schedule, it wasn't like, okay, Ohio State had to they cancel all the games with uh, Buffalo, Bowling Green, and Oregon. It wasn't like they were just going to pick up with Rutgers and finish the final seven or eight games or whatever it was after that. Um, so they reshuffled the deck. They added a you know cross-divisional game. They're at Purdue. We all know what happened the last time Ohio State played yes. at Purdue. So this could be, uh, I don't want to sound like that team up north, but the revenge season. You know, you know, take care of Iowa, take care of Purdue, and just remind oh, yeah, we, them. We got some, you know, we got some <laughs> get back to, to get, <laughs> you know, so... Uh, that's really I mean, you took the words out of my mouth. That's what crossed my mind when I saw Purdue at Purdue. I'm like, oh, they're not coming here. I'm just glad to play. I don't care where we play Purdue at because we owed them some since the last time we played them. So I plan on us being two and zero after beating Illinois on, on Thursday night, uh, coming home, beating Rutgers, and then going to Purdue. Everybody's going to, you know, there's a lot of players still on the team that remembers that that game from a few years ago. So they're going to want. You know, I don't know if revenge is the word, but 
they got they got Purdue will have something. You know, they it doesn't feel good when you lose to Purdue. I unfortunately lost to them once, <laughs> <laughs> and I couldn't wait to you know to play them again. You know, and uh, and we did. We we next year we you know we took care of business. Uh, so that game is it like um. Uh, not, that's a, not a revenge. A put you in your place game, if you will. And the last game of the season would be a put you place in it. Iowa. You know that's at home. The last time they played Iowa, you know that cost us a you know a Big Ten champion. Well, we still won the Big Ten championship, but it cost us a college football playoff berth. Oh, but you lost to Iowa. You lost to Iowa. I'm like Iowa's no slouch. But we don't. Iowa should never put 50 points on us. Nobody should put 50 points on us. So they put that 50, 50, 50 burger on us. Didn't feel good. So, but they've been riding high off that for the last couple of years during recruiting. You know, last time we played Ohio State, we beat them. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so those two games really stand out. You know, out, you know, as far as across division. So I'm glad. You know, I wouldn't mind playing Wisconsin. Hey, play them all. I don't care because you know um, when you're the beast. At the Big Ten, it doesn't matter who you play. It doesn't matter where you play. And it comes back to the Michigan game. You know, I'm a staunch traditionalist like you and a lot of, lot of you know, Buckeye Nation. That's supposed to be the last regular season game of the season. It took me a while to adjust to the Big Ten championship being, you know, being played after the Michigan game. But I got over it. And, you know, sometimes it comes off as hyper, you know, hyperbole when you said, man, we'll play you anytime, anywhere. Anytime, anywhere. We want to play you. Well, okay, this is one of those things. <laughs> anytime, anywhere. Okay, instead of Michigan being the last game season, at least we're playing them. Okay, it's at Ohio Stadium, and let's get it on. It's, you know, October 24th, you know, week eight. So what? Let's get it on. And uh, it'll be a blip on the radar screen, just like you got to go way back to 1948 to go back to the last time Ohio State Michigan didn't play on the last you know red game of the regular season. This be a blip. 2020 was a year of blips. So hey, whatever it takes. As long as, they, as long as we win, I don't care. I mean, I care, but you know, as long as we win, I, I can get over it. Uh, Keith Byers, College Football Hall of Famer with us here, former Buckeye. Uh, Justin Kinnershaw with Kev Nash talking about, of course, the Big Ten schedule release, Big Ten-only schedule for the upcoming 2020 season. The Buckeyes will kick off the season on September 3rd, a Thursday night at Illinois. Now, Kev, it's less than a month away. Yeah, I, yeah that's, buddy. They don't even open up camp till Friday. <laughs> so, uh, you know, there's a lot that's going to be going on in the coming weeks. And like I said, I know a lot of people out there, this one, keep saying, if there's a season, if the, we know that there might not be a season, but can we just pretend like there is one? As of today, September 3rd, Ohio State kicks off at Illinois. So, Kev, I don't need your negativity today. Ohio State's opening up at Illinois, and that is all that matters, at least for right now. Enjoy the moment. But with that being said, you and I talked a lot about, okay, if you look at some of the other conferences, uh, for instance, uh, USC-UCLA. I'm not putting their rivalry on the same stage as Ohio State-Michigan, but they put that rivalry game that's usually in the last week of the season up in week one. Arizona, Arizona State, same thing. They put it in week one. So we were anticipating Ohio State, Michigan to be early in the season. Yeah. I, I didn't think it would be week one, but I did think it would be weeks one, two, or three. Well, they justified moving it out of the last game of the regular season to week eight for that reason. Well, we want to increase the chances of getting that in. What the hell's the point of putting it at week eight? I don't think that increases the chances of you getting that in because I think if you get to week eight, there's a good chance you're finishing the season at that point. I think college football is uh, not biggest. necessarily. No, All right, here we it's, go. It's more negativity. No, more it's not no. negative. <laughs> just real. It's just real. No matter what date they would have put that game, it would have been something said. If they'd have left it last game of the yep. season, well, they should definitely move that game up. 
<laughs> you know, we got to get that one in. And I heard somebody that was listening to one other uh, networks this morning. Somebody, maybe they should they should have played that game first. You know, Ohio State, Michigan. Let that be the start of college football season. You know, and well, I'm like, no, no. And and but my only concession with moving the game up is to keep it at noon. Oh. I don't want a prime time Michigan game. That would really traditions out the window. I know you. You, you, you got to give me baby steps. You can't just push all that down my throat. It's already not the last game of the season. You know, it's already the Big Ten championship after that. Hey, if you don't move, play this game at twelve o'clock, I'm gonna really be hot. If you move this game at eight o'clock in the prime, no, it's prime time at twelve, high noon on Saturday. You I know, don't have a problem with them. Leave it at twelve. I don't, have a I don't want a night moving. game. I, twelve o'clock. I, I say just don't waste a night game on this year. Like, why would you waste a night game on a season when there's might not be fans there? Like, if it's a night game at the shoe, yeah. If it's a night game up there, cool. Like, the hat of fans, and that's what we want to see. But, like, it don't matter. Like, for me, it doesn't matter when they play as long as they play. <laughs> so Penn State don't get a whiteout? I mean, they can have a whiteout. <laughs> they, they want can, us in a whiteout game. They, I mean, they nobody going to be there. <laughs> Camera crew wearing a white yeah. shirt. Broadcasters giving them a white shirt. They I mean, paint that, the seats white. That's about yeah. it. I mean, but, oh, put the T-shirts on the uh-huh, on the seats. That's uh-huh. the, Or they'll have the white tarp. I mean, you're going to see teams get creative. You're not going to see empty seats. I, I would have to imagine that if there are no fans allowed at games throughout the year, that they will have creative uh, what are they like tarps or whatever? And I hate to use the word tarps because it sounds cheap. But whatever they can do to cover well, the seats, they can take the cheap way out. <laughs> well, that is true. They have to be cheaper. They have to be cheap. Um, as they are learning, but well, like a paint tarp. I know you exactly. Mean. Just maybe a little design on it or something. But either way, it's going to be interesting as far as that goes. I do not think it'll be a night game mainly because for one, Fox. They get first dibs on all Big Ten games, anyways. That's going to be the premier game in week eight. Right. And Fox always puts their primetime game um, at noon. Or it could be at night because Fox is going to say, "Well, if we bid for the Ohio State Michigan game this year, we don't have, we may not be able to get it next. year. We'd rather have Ohio State Michigan with fans with the regular feel." So you know, the Fox might pull one of those. You know what, ESPN, you can you can have it. This no, 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 <laughs> uh-uh. no, not gonna happen. Yeah, because remember, Big Ten is owned by Fox Network. Yep. So they are not going to, you know. So does that get, mean that their broadcasters are homers like the ESPN broadcasters for the SEC? <laughs> no, 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 no. They're fair. Uh, <laughs> they're kind of like the No, they are. They, I mean, when when the Big Ten is down, they say that. You know, they they don't they don't put they don't rank teams simply because they're in a conference. If they don't deserve to be ranked in the top twenty-five, they don't they don't put them there. Whereas the SEC, you know, they got what fourteen teams in their conference. They want to rank ten to twelve of them. They want to rank almost all of them. I'm like, stop it, you know. And, and so, um, <laughs> I don't don't get me started on that conversation. I was gonna say, wait, we have three minutes. If you can get the, <laughs> <laughs> all right, four five seven nine four six four. That's the number to call in and join in on the conversation. Uh, Keith Byers with us here as we react uh, to the Big Ten schedule release. We knew that Ohio State. I mean, we knew that everyone's schedules were kind of thrown out um, as far as that goes. Now, what I do not know, Kevin, maybe you knew this from earlier. How are they doing? The Big Ten championship game is it division versus yes, division? Yes, still division. Still? Yes, still division. East so, okay, well that answers that as far as that goes. So they protected Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Um, they, I don't want to say protected, but they kept again Ohio State. They kept them away from Wisconsin as far as that goes. I mean, if I had to predict that, most likely that's going to be your Big Ten championship game. 
Penn State's really good this year, but again, I just can't put them in that explosive level as Ohio State. I mean, Ohio State's going to be in that Big Ten championship game on December 5th. Yeah, but I'll say this. Ohio State is definitely going to be there. They're the best. They're the class of the conference. Mm -hmm. It's really the big one and the little little 9-13 or whatever it is. There's nobody even close to Ohio State. With that being said, the Big Ten champion will be the most healthiest team this year. Not the, not the most talented, not the best team. It will be the most healthiest team. And that's, you know, that's, that's you know, Ohio State wins it, you'll get both. you get the most healthiest team and the most talented team and the best team, so you get a trifecta. If Ohio State doesn't win it, you know, which <laughs> on paper today, you know, it would have to be the most healthiest team. I mean, I'm thinking, reason why I say that, outside of your quote-unquote normal injuries, you know, uh, guys having muscle injuries, broken legs, torn knees, and this, that, and the other, which is always the case year in and year out, the most healthiest team, you know, goes on to win conference championship, national championships of that nature. You know, this COVID-19, we don't know. This is We're stepping into the unknown. The wide receiver from um, Minnesota just opted out. Bateman. There's, yeah. there's, there's Parson, uh, the linebacker, Michael Parsons. There's, there's rumors. That could happen. I mean, and, you know, we can pick up the papers or I- any day, you know, it, between now and the end of the season, one Ohio State player decides not to play anymore. He, he, somebody in his family might be sick. He doesn't want to, you know, it's just a whole lot of unknown, and I don't want to go down that rabbit hole. But those are things you just have to, you know, somewhat, you know, be aware of. And like you started off the show, let's stay positive. Everything's yeah. going to go without a hitch. Then the Buckeyes will be, you know, 10-0. and 0. Waiting, you know, uh, waiting to go and uh, waiting to have their reservations in Indianapolis, seeing who they're going to play on the, on the, you know, from the West. All right, Justin Kenner, Kev Nash, and Keith Byers with you here uh, on this Wednesday afternoon. I hope all of you listening had a great day at work, or for those of you at work, we appreciate you hanging out and tuning in with us here. Make sure you're watching live on Facebook. Keith with us here in studio. If you have questions for Keith, Head to Facebook right now. Tune into the broadcast. You'll be able to leave your comments in the comments section um, and uh, be able to interact with us and Keith Byers that way as well. This one coming in from Ron Keith. Ron says, and he must listen to your show when you talked about the Bengals this week. He says, Justin, you and Keith talk bad about the Bengals management, but what was the last pro football team to make it to a playoff indoor Super Bowl? Hmm, waiting, LOL, just messing. See, <laughs> you, you can't say anything bad about the Bengals, Keith. I'm telling you. I never say nothing bad about the Bengals. But, All I say is, Truthful things about the Bengals. They don't like that either. You gotta lie. You gotta I, I never them, say nothing bad about them. You gotta tell them they're pretty. You gotta tell them that <laughs> that dress doesn't make them look fat. You gotta no. tell them all those things. Yeah. <laughs> I never talk bad. I just call it like it is. Like I see it, and how, not just how I say how it is. And by the way, you saying that their management's not that great? I thought they knew. <laughs> I'm telling you. I, I didn't know that that was Somebody like... Somebody surprised? Exactly. All right, uh, Keith's going to uh, continue to hang out with us here in studio. In fact, we're all hungry, so we're going to order some food. Uh, we got Max Kellerman from ESPN. He's going to be calling into the show. We're going to talk with him, uh, a little college football as well, plus some boxing. We don't have any guests that like to talk a lot of boxing. Max Kellerman, of course, that's uh, how he got started in ESPN. So ESPN's Max Kellerman from First Take. He'll debut his new show on August 17th. Max Kellerman, 2 to 4. We're going to get to that with Max coming up next. Don't go anywhere. Show live here on ESPN Dayton. Everybody, welcome.
Welcome back. Justin Kinner, Kev Nash with you here on Dayton TSPN Radio Station 1410 Wing AM. A little past four. We appreciate you tuning in and hanging out with us here this afternoon. Uh, Keith Byers hanging out with us here in studio. Uh, he'll join us again coming up here shortly. We're going to get to our a conversation with Max Kellerman here in just a second. Just a reminder, the Reds will be back in action tonight. 7-10, the first pitch, 6-40, the pregame. Reds and Indians coming up, this time from Cleveland. The Reds split with the Indians uh, the first two games of the four-game home-and-home series. We'll see if the Reds can rebound after last night's tough loss. I mean, six innings of one hit shutout baseball from Tyler Malley last night. David Bell goes to the bullpen, and when you have the Cowboy in the middle of the broadcast saying, hey, I know that you're going to look at the pitch count and say, you know what, uh, we're going to take him out because of the pitch count, but sometimes you got to use your eyes, and sometimes you got to use just your gut, and if you would have used your eyes and your gut, David Bell should have paid attention to the fact that Tyler Malley was rolling and had no business taking him out at that time, and sure enough, they go to Strope, which by the way, Strope should be able to come in and, you know, do his thing, mainly because that's what they paid him for coming in in the offseason. But the Reds got a tough one last night. We'll talk about that as well as preview tonight's game coming up later on in the show. Keith Byers will be back with us in just a moment. Let's get to our conversation. I'm excited to bring on our next guest. Coming up on August 17th, ESPN Radio is doing a complete reshuffle, and uh, a new show will be debuting at 2 o'clock on ESPN Radio beginning August 17th, and that show is the Max Kellerman Show. You all know Max, of course, from ESPN's First Take alongside Stephen A. Smith, now getting his own radio show, and he joins us now. Max, welcome in, sir. How are you? Thank you. Doing well. Thanks for having me. I'm sure you're doing a lot of these and getting asked a lot of the same questions, so I might as well just pick up with where I'm sure your last interview uh, left off. Your new show coming up and debuting on August 17th. You have a lot on your plate, and I'm sure you're enjoying every bit of it. How excited are you to have your own radio show uh, with you coming up on the 17th? Well, I'm a radio guy, you know. I did Max on excuse me, Max on Boxing. I do on uh, I did on Public Access once upon a time, and on ESPN two now, but on Fridays at five p.m. But uh, I did the Max Kellerman show in New York City for years, and then Max and Marcellus in L.A. Drive Time afternoon drive for years for almost six years in L.A. So I, I have you know I'm a radio guy, but you know the, the TV money is hard to turn down, bro. Like, so so. So, you know, that's, so I do television. I really like doing television. It beats working for a living for sure. But, but at, at heart, I'm a radio guy. So I've been looking for the right uh, opportunity, a time slot that would work with my schedule, give a first take in boxing. And, and it finally came up. And, you know, I can't wait to get started. Now, with you dealing with Stephen A. every single day, no matter what opinionated loudmouth caller calls in to, uh, to debate with you, I think you, uh, I think you could hold your own by now at this point, I'm assuming. Please, Stephen A. has yet to win a debate from me. I've been on the show for four years already. And, uh, uh, you know, radio is, I'm telling you, that's what I do. The Max Kellerman Show is not first take. It's not a take. It's not a hot take show. There'll be arguments. There'll be debates. It's two hours of, you know, come hang out with your boy. We're going to talk mostly about sports. All right, we got Max Kellerman with us here on the Justin Kenner Show with Kev Nash. And uh, let's talk a little sports with you here while we have some of your time. College football right now uh, here in Dayton. We're a, a Ohio State Buckeye affiliate, and the Big Ten schedule came out today. Ohio State's schedule is out. And uh, I keep telling people, I mean, I want to be excited about it. Everybody is. And watching you on first take, I kind of know what your opinion of this is already. But how confident are you that with that schedule that came out today, how excited should Buckeye fans be in regards to are we going to get a full season? Zero percent chance to get a full season. There's no like it just it, it it doesn't. You don't have to be an epidemiologist to understand this. There's 
there's um, the pandemic is 10 times worse than it was when we closed everything down. And now we're opening everything up. And, and well, you know, given, okay, fine, do we have bubbles and no travel and, 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 and you know, testing every day in isolation? No, that's not, like, that's the only way to do it. First of all, tackle football maybe shouldn't be played in a pandemic. But I'm a football fan, so you know what? I think, yeah, let's try. Whether or not it's the most responsible thing to do, let's try it, guys. Why not? Like, we love football, right? So, okay, how do you do that? Because maybe it's logistically impossible because you have, you know, 50-plus guys on a roster plus support staff and everything. It's 100 people on each team. Um, and, and, and if you're traveling and all that, so like, okay. Let's say somehow you could pull it off without the travel in a bubble. The reason you'd be able to pull it off is the NBA is pulling it off. They have very little to go in their season. As the NHL is, is because in a bubble, when everyone is tested, in the absence of a vaccination, the only thing to do is locate, where is this thing? Okay, this person has it. Great. Who else have they been around? That person, that person, and that person. Okay, great. Let's test them all. Oh, they're all positive. Isolate them all, right? You, you, you quarantine them for a couple of weeks and then the virus is gone and it can't be passed on because they don't have it anymore. That's how you crush the curve. If you're not in a bubble environment and you're interacting with all kinds of people all day, even if it's less than it used to be, how do you locate and isolate the virus? The answer is it is not possible. That's why baseball has already had to cancel a bunch of games and has had two major, three major outbreaks now. And it's why they, I don't think they're going to finish their season. And it's why I feel that college football and the NFL have had not had a serious approach. Like they have not given themselves even, it might be impossible anyway, but they have not given themselves the best chance to pull this off. Buckeyes quarterback uh, Justin Fields uh, said a quote a couple days ago or yesterday saying that he has never once thought about opting out of this upcoming season and I think that's a lot of lip service I, I mean what are they going to say yeah I mean I, I don't know if I want to play right now outside of the players who are opting not to play at this moment w how many big names do you see opting out will that list get bigger and just if the, if the season starts that doesn't mean that more players won't opt out could you see big name players opting out as the season goes on and it could potentially start crumbling in front of their and our very own eyes I could because, you know, it, put yourself in their position, right? <clears throat> As the information becomes more clear to you, like, how are they even going to start this? There's not even going to be kids in class. Like, even if they do start up classes, by November when it's flu season, and even if they discovered a vaccine today to scale it up so it's available to enough people, right? It's not just going to go to football players, right? That's even a bad look. Like, wait a minute, we're in a pandemic. A lot of people need this. It's only going to football players. So that's not going to happen. And, but even if they discovered a vaccine today, you couldn't scale up in time, right? But they haven't discovered a vaccine today. So, so uh, once, once that reality becomes apparent, like, uh-oh, here comes a wave coinciding with flu season, we're not going to know what's what, who has what. It's, it's going to be a problem, right? That's according to most of the credible sources you read. And if that's the case, when they notice the way it's going, they have to think to themselves, why aren't I getting ready for the NFL draft? Because the biggest name players, that's what largely the function of college is. You know, some guys really enjoy their experience and they don't want to miss out on that. They're never going to have it again or they think they still need to develop. But a lot of guys, it's because that's their, what's the alternative? But if there's not going to be that alternative anyway, some guys are going to want to get out in front of it and, and just say, okay, let me start getting ready, you know, with real purpose for the draft. And I think that, yeah, I think it's going to happen with a lot of guys. Max, with the NBA bubble down there in Orlando, 
do you see the Portland Trailblazers giving the Lakers some trouble? You know, they got Dame Dollar, CJ, uh, Nurkic is back, Collins is back with those two seven-footers. I see them being the biggest trouble for the Lakers getting out the West. What about you? Don't, don't know, forget about Carmelo. Trouble, I'll, I'll put it this way. Last time an eighth seed went to the finals was also a shortness of strike shortness season. 99, the New York Knicks. Mm-hmm. They go to the finals and get beaten up by the Spurs because they didn't have Patrick Ewing, but they, you know, they, they lost to the Spurs. Funky things are going to happen in a season like this. Like it, The thing about the NBA is you know what's going to happen for the most part. The best team wins because basketball, you can run your team, your plays for your best players, and, and it's a best of seven series. So the cream will rise to the top. Almost always the best team wins. And, and But in a season like this, if there's going to be like something weird, it'll be in a season like this. And when I look at an eighth seed, and I'm a Lakers fan, who I don't want as a Lakers fan, I'm looking at the Blazers. I think the Lakers should be favored. I think the Lakers would win that series. But, oof, that is not a first-round matchup you want if you're L.A. They got four serious starters right now. They're well-coached. It, it, that's a problem. Max, I saw you on first take earlier today with Richard Jefferson, and over the weekend, uh, I forgot who it was that tweeted out a picture of Carmelo. Carmelo was sitting at a table, you know, holding a, a glass of wine, and everyone said, oh, he's waiting for all the GMs to line up to apologize <laughs> to him. And I'm not saying this just to suck up to you, our guest, uh, but I remember tweeting out over the weekend saying, I don't know why people want to start this Carmelo apology tour. I mean, when people said that he looked like he had declined, it's because, well, it's because he was declining, and his body didn't look good, his game didn't look good. Now that he's got his head right and and he's adapted to his new role. Now he's performing at a much higher level. I don't know why people are expecting this apology tour that people were trying to kind of run you through this morning with Richard Jefferson. Exactly. The thing about Carmelo Anthony is he was a great, he's one of the all-time great ISO scorers, right? And by the way, an underrated passer at his best because, you know, he, the defense would collapse. He'd find open shooters at his best. Um, and, and But he's impression of himself, especially as he aged, was out of proportion. Because the league was also changing away from ISO ball, away from the thing he did best, to more specialization. So, so he was, his talent was no longer pitched because of age at a level where you could try to contend for a championship with him as your primary scoring option, right? And plus the game had just changed. And he didn't do, like his overall game was devastating. But what specialty did he have that could contribute to a winning team, right? Or a championship caliber team as a starter or even a, a, a rotation piece getting serious minutes. He couldn't play defense. He wasn't in shape to play defense. And he wasn't like some awesome catch and shoot three point shooter. He's a good, good shooter, but like he was, and, and failed to do it with the Rockets. The, 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 you know, the Thunder gave him burn and released him. The Rockets picked him up and, and played him a little bit and then barely played him and released him. He couldn't stick with those teams. Now, I never said he wasn't good enough to play in the NBA. I thought he was a 15-minute-a-night ninth guy on your bench. And GMs were saying, well, he's a future Hall of Famer. can't do that. You know, there's too much pressure to play him more. But implicit in that is that he's not good enough to play more. And they were right, given the nature of the way the game is played and his skill set. He wasn't. So I don't apologize for saying that he was a 15-minute-a-night caliber guy. Um, because that's what he was. He has proven me wrong that he couldn't be more than that, to his great credit. But he is now given new information. He's provided new evidence. Look at this. He, he's not a star right now, but he is a starting caliber player on a very good team, making positive contributions, you know, playing real minutes. 
uh, and, and that's much better than I thought he would be at this stage in his career. So he deserves that and an and acknowledgement that he's proved the doubters wrong, and I was among them. That's different than doing a guy wrong, lying on him or exaggerating, you know, uh, slippage. None of that happened. Max, last question for you. I grew up in the 90s falling in love with boxing with Meldrew Taylor, Sweet Pea, Pernell Whitaker, the whole Ludo of a camp. Is Shakur Stevenson the next big little man in boxing? Yeah. Shakur, I think, is the bluest chip of all the blue chip, um, you know, young fighters in the game. And like Pernell and then Roy and then Floyd, he is, he is an American Olympian with a really good defense. You know, usually that's the guy who's not always the biggest star. Like Floyd, Purnell wasn't the biggest star in the sport, neither was Roy. Floyd was, and that was largely because of his personality. Um, but, but uh, and I don't know whether Shakur is going to do that or not, but in terms of the athletic competition and the results, mm-hmm. he can control the other guy. He can negate what he does with his defense, and he can pick him apart with his offense. I think he is the best bet of the young fighters to be the best pound-for-pound fighter in boxing in the not-too-distant future. All right, the Max Kellerman Show will debut on August 17th from 2 to 4 p.m. right here on Dayton's ESPN radio station, 1410 Wing AM. Uh, Max, thank you so much for your time. We're looking forward to hearing you daily on the radio side of things, and we'll continue watching you on First Take, uh, beating Stephen A. Smith every morning. Thank you. (laughs) I appreciate you guys. I'm thinking of you. What kinder words could be more meaningful at a time like this? At First Florist and Greenhouses, we know everyone is coping the best they can. And when hugs are not possible, a kind word or gesture can bring comfort and a smile. So today, make that phone call or send a heartfelt note to someone you care about. And if you'd like to send a fresh bouquet of flowers, we can help with that. We're First Florist and Greenhouses at 1306 Troy Street in Dayton, a local family-owned business since 1905. And we're thinking of you. Nash, back to the famous WYNG studios. Here's Justin Kenner and Kev Nash. All right, everybody, welcome back. Justin Kenner, Kev Nash with you here on 1410 ESPN Radio. And we still have Keith Byers with us hanging out here in studio. Keith, we appreciate you taking time and coming in. And the pizza is on its way. Sounds good to me. I'm still here right now, too. I don't blame you. It's good to be here with you guys. I listen to you guys throughout the week, so and I, now I'm finally getting a chance to, to respond. I was in my car. Because what is it? The stats, like 89, 98% of people never call in a show. That's they why sit we back and Facebook. listen. So, yeah. <laughs> so, so I listen to you, you guys. When you're listening, I'm going to put them on the spot. Who's right more between Kevin and I? Mm, that's a good question. Put me on the spot with him in here. Yeah, who did you pick? Who did you pick? I picked Clemson. I picked Clemson. See, you should have sat here. You should have sat between us. Luckily, we got social distancing oh, in here. Boy. You can't Rules reach up. Yeah. <laughs> I just hope it even gets to that point where we can watch Clemson and Ohio State in the national Very championship true. game. That's where that story. So who's your four teams? Who are your four teams in the, in the playoffs? I, mean, I hate I, to put I, you on the spot right no, now. No, I like. Uh, I mean, everybody zero zero. So. I, I don't see two teams out of the SEC this year. I mean, unless, you know, they'll force it. But, no, I, I see right now Alabama's the favorite of that conference. LSU's, I mean, you don't replace Joe Burrow from one year to the next. Uh, I, you know, Georgia, you also lose Jake Fromm. You know, I mean, pretty much every top team in the SEC is replacing a quarterback. Jake Fromm being replaced by Georgia, uh, or Georgia replacing Jake Fromm. Obviously, LSU replacing Joe Burrow, and even Tua being replaced with Alabama. Um, so I think it's kind of... 
safe to, to kind of roll uh, with Alabama at that point. Oklahoma out of the, the Big 12, Clemson out of the ACC, and Ohio State out of the Big 10. So, I mean, it's um, Oklahoma, I mean, not Oklahoma, Oregon. They lost their quarterback, and everybody still have them in it. That's so why I want to see Ohio State play there. Even though they lost Hayward, I still think they're, they're the team to beat in the, in the West. I'm like, that's yeah, what summertime is for. It's hot, and people just, <laughs> my just goes to mush. Uh, but I won't argue, you know, because, I mean, Oklahoma seems to be like Ohio State at the quarterback position. They just reload. <laughs> so, you know, they go from, you know, uh, Kyler Murray to Jalen Hurts to the new guy, whoever this new guy is going to be. So those four teams, I can definitely, you know, foresee that. You know, maybe this would be the year the Big Ten gets two. That it hasn't happened. In the, the year it should have happened, it didn't happen. It should have put Ohio State and Penn State in at the same time. But I could I could foresee maybe Penn State, you know, getting if they only lost this to Ohio State. And it helps that they play earlier in the year. I mean, if you're if you're and that it's team, a nine in one season. Why not Penn State? Yeah, and if you're that team up north too, you got to be kicking yourself a little bit. I mean, this team is not Michigan's team this year is not that good, and it's one of those where if you're talking about getting two teams in, if, if Michigan had a good team, this shortened season, they could have <laughs> afforded a loss to Ohio State, won out the remainder of their games, and maybe been in a position at the end where they could maybe justify being in that conversation. But uh, look. Anything can happen, but I don't anticipate anything happening between that matchup right there. Ohio State will take care of business, especially with it being at the shoe. Fans or no fans, will there be a home no, field reason, advantage? The reason no why fans? I said that because of the schedule. You know, look when Ohio State plays Penn State next to the last game of the season, and if that's Penn State's only loss, granted it'll be a home loss, so mm-hmm. it'll be a tough one. Why not them getting in the playoffs? You know, that's all things being equal. If the other teams. Unless other teams go undefeated, if one of say the the Big Twelve champion, Oklahoma has one loss, and um, or they, I don't think Clemson can lose a game with, with their schedule. <laughs> I mean, I mean, and this sounds crazy, but if Notre Dame beats Clemson, and that's Clemson's only loss, and Notre Dame is undefeated, you could have that two ACC team conversation. Is crazy. What would be what would be justified for me is the. Uh, SEC has two one has two one loss teams and a one loss conference champion. <laughs> I mean, and I think, and we were talking about this during or, the break. And they don't, and the SEC champ doesn't make it. I don't know. I mean, that's well, what I'm saying. They they both they, they have one loss conference champion, and they don't make it, to, and and then they take two from the Big Ten. Of all the scenarios out there, justified in the playoffs, like we said, oh, they'll never be a non-conference champion in the playoff. We've seen that already uh, with Ohio State. We've seen it with Alabama. Um, we've seen uh, with Georgia. I'm sorry, after losing to Alabama, we've seen teams not win their conference. No, no, you said it right, Alabama. Was it Alabama? Alabama lost to Auburn, and they still went to the playoffs. And they kept Ohio State out. And they won. So the, okay, there's more than one example of that. So you have that. I mean, I'm trying to think of all the scenarios that we've said. Oh, there's no way a two loss a two loss team has yet to make it to the playoff. Will this be a year that that happens? Um, if that's the case, I'm just trying to think of all the things that we have said. Oh, there's no way that this happens. I mean, there's no way that a team outside of the Power Five gets in. I think that's safe to say. UCF kind of proved that years ago. I mean, I, well, you Cincinnati, Notre Dame. Keep an eye on Notre Dame has been there. They're technically out of the Power Five. Yeah, <laughs> if they, you know, would actually join a conference. Yeah, I know. They've been in the playoffs already. Yeah. So they're the only non-Power Five team to make the playoffs. But technically, they're a Power Five, without it being said. They're they're a Power Five. And though they don't play a Power Five, you know, schedule, per se, until this year, you know, they're going to play an ACC schedule, even though they've been loosely playing an ACC schedule the last couple of years. Um, so that would be... 
the exception to that rule, but I don't care if Cincinnati goes 10-0. They're not going to make yeah, it. Yeah, UCF did that Cincinnati. years ago. And yeah. They went two seasons undefeated. Uh, so, you know, if you go undefeated, they had a huge bowl win against an SEC team, and then the very next season go undefeated. You think that the committee could have – I know it's supposed to be only that season – but UCF had proven enough at that point yeah. to maybe be in that conversation. Um, but again, that goes back to the who you play matters because it doesn't matter how good you look. That you know the resume as far as who you play and who you beat, who you've lost to, that's always going to come into play. Um, that's why for everyone that loves Fickle in Cincinnati, I don't anticipate him. You know, he's not going to stay in Cincinnati long term. I mean, I'm sure he's having fun right now, but he already knows looking at UCF that man, no matter what. I mean, how how does do you think he feels knowing that no matter what I do at Cincinnati? Because of the conference we're in, I will never make the college football playoff here. And I know we could say I will never say that, but yes, UCF is proof of that. Like, there's always going to be teams, two lost teams out of the SEC or Big Ten, still with resumes better just because of who they play on a weekly basis. Well, well, it comes back to follow the money. You know, you think Kelly had a state in Cincinnati? Uh, if it was if it was about football and the title game had nothing to do, I mean clearly that wasn't his end goal either because he bolted on that. <laughs> yeah, he couldn't wait to get to you know. Otherwise, he could have been made a very. He was already making a comfortable living in Cincinnati, and he would still be Cincinnati's coach, you know, emeritus until he's done. He could be the Woody Hayes. Yeah, he could have been the Woody Hayes of Cincinnati, and coach it until he got tired. And every year, you know, they're going to be in a bowl game. You know, and then that one special year where they have one loss or no loss where they can, you know, brag about maybe we ought to be in there, but he can be content. But he wanted to go on a, the, you know, I ain't going to say greener pastures, just the other pastures in Notre Dame. And, uh, okay, I mean, you know, he's getting paid more money. But, you know, college coaches are, they're, <laughs> they're businessmen also. They, 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 they care about the money. Speaking and there's nothing wrong with them. I'm not, I'm not begrudging them. But you can't that, that that door swings both ways. You can't get mad at the players too. You know that's why you know I was listening earlier. Uh, Urban Meyer was talking about you, you know Joey Bozer when he said he was probably the best college football player in the country when he decided you know after two games that he was done. He probably could have came back that season, but my neck or Joey, Joey, yeah. young young baby bear, <laughs> young Bozer uh, when he got hurt. And he said he got a chance to make generational type money. And so that was Dick, the most recent the, Bosa. The, yeah, the recent Bosa. Yeah, he got yeah. hurt against TCU. Yeah, that's the and that's the one that we were and that's, yeah. that's one of him and I biggest debates is that uh, we both felt he should have come back or at least yeah. But no, I was listening did. to Urban talk about it this morning. Oh no, he changed your mind. No, he ain't changed my mind. I mean, I'm just telling you his opinion, not mine. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's like he said he understood, he hated it. You know, losing the, you know, probably, I would probably agree, the best player in college football that year. And, you know, so he was he's saying that to say other coaches are going to have to be faced with that. So P.J. Fleck had to face that question today. I mean, you know, his best player, you know, Best player, well, I ain't gonna say the best wide receiver. Statistically, he was the best wide receiver in the big. The best team. wide receiver in the big team. No, they they play for the Scarlet and Gray. Mm. <laughs> I don't know. Mm. He's better than Olave. Yes. I don't see that. Yes. I, nah. Yes. Yes. That, that, well, okay, that's debatable. <laughs> I don't think he's better than him. Yeah. But he's as good as him. <laughs> <laughs> and Garrett Wilson, we'll see, you're gonna we'll, see more. You're we'll, gonna have something to say. We'll too this see year. come April. Okay. Uh, uh, uh. 
I'm just saying well, I would much rather have a a six two wide receiver than a five ten wide receiver that runs the same speed. Well, I need a receiver that's gonna stay open. Oh yeah, he got <laughs> that, that makes up for those four inches right there. He got open sixty times for ten touchdowns. Well, yes, in that offense, this is fun. I mean, they had two good receivers, and that was only two guys. Yeah, that both could of them, both of them went for. Over I mean, a Justin stat. Fields had, yeah, you know, he had uh, problems. Who, who's going, who am I get it to? Who you want throwing you the ball, Justin Fields or this no name in Minnesota? <laughs> well, I want Justin I mean, Fields. Everyone has a But name. look at all the people <laughs> that he had to throw. I mean, Justin Fields had to spread the ball around. For sure. If you put Chris Olave in Minnesota's offense, he's going to catch how many balls? He's going to close, catch close to 100 balls in that offense because he's going to be open a whole lot more. But they both Whereas they in both Ohio State's offense, Justin Fields, he's got options. It's very sad okay. if one guy is open. You know, he's, you know, I remember that he's, he come back to the other, man, you needed two or three footballs. I was open. He was open. He always open. <laughs> hey, but he just happened to make the play. And, I mean, how often do we throw to our tight end? You know he's open a lot. <laughs> Rucker stays open, but he's the third or fourth option, and they sorry, I didn't get a chance to get to you. These other guys was open first. We hardly ever call plays where the tight end is the first read. He's usually the second or the third or the fourth read. All right. Justin Kidder, Kevin Dash, Keith Byers, and we're going to pick up with that conversation on the other side. Plus, we haven't even got into your thoughts on Notre Dame joining the SEC for one year and one year only. Not a fan of that. Either is Keith. But Kev, of course, is. Of course. So we'll pick up the debates when we come back. Don't go anywhere. It's the summer clearance event at New Carlisle Chrysler. I'm Chris Toby. At New Carlisle, our primary focus is your safety and ours. We are practicing safe social distancing. Probably like you, we hate it, but we are wearing our masks and we are diligently cleaning the dealership. If you're more comfortable handling your sales and services. The biggest local and national guests sit down for the biggest interviews with Back to the Justin Kidder Show on 1410 ESPN Radio and on the stream at wingam.com. <laughs> Welcome back. Justin Kidder, Kevin Nash, Keith Byers with you here on 1410 ESPN Radio. 457-9464, or of course you can text into the show. You <laughs> that's, that's basically that's where we're at. <laughs> you know, so I, I, it wouldn't be surprising to me. You know, you kind of reminds me on, on a different level of if Villanova football. People forget they play football at Villanova, and for years they didn't. Mm-hmm. So that's a basketball school, even though they have the great Brian Westbrook come out of there and Howie Long, but that's two players. How I many in between that? Not very many. So to answer the question, I don't think it's going to be a domino effect. I don't. I really don't. I, I don't think it'll be a domino effect because they're not. It's not the same type of program as what we're talking about, as we mentioned. I mean, you're talking about for one, they're basically an independent, and most most teams that were on their schedule had gone to conference only. And it, it's the college equivalent to what happened to Trotwood, in my opinion, because yeah, Trot, Trotwood, I <laughs> yeah, Trotwood was, is basically an independent right now from a high school perspective because Correct. the G-Walk, you know, no longer part of the G-Walk. However, a lot of their games, they kept a lot of games with G-Walk members, but when the G-Walk went to conference only, it left Trotwood in the wind, and of course we talked about that. That was, you know, unfortunate Friday to find that out, oh. uh, that they had pulled the plug um, on, or at least suspended the athletic season, but let's be clear, you suspend it for nine weeks, there's no football. That's that, why Trout wouldn't need a church home. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you got to have a church home, man. You know, so, you can't be out here running solo. Uh, but I, I don't believe the UConn thing is a domino. I thought I couldn't believe how much coverage that got today. I know they want to use that and say, see, it's coming, it's coming. 
if a SEC school or a Big Ten school or a Power Five school, or one of those type of schools, says, "You know what? We're not moving forward," that would deserve that mass headline, that max headline to me. I, I just don't think UConn pulling the plug on it. It's not if the that same happens. Thing. I would say big. I would say Northwestern would be the first team to do that. Northwestern, in the Big Ten. What about Rutgers? The, that would be number two. But I think we won't miss Rutgers. <laughs> if they say they're not playing, but you would miss Northwestern if they're not playing because they're in Chicago where the Big Ten, you know, uh, home offices are. That would be news, you know, and it would, I mean, they would make that strictly because of uh, health issues, you know. Uh, and right now, Illinois is still somewhat of a hot spot yeah. in the, the Midwest in general. Is even though we have some East Coast teams, you know, we talk about Penn State and uh, Maryland and uh, Rutgers. Uh, Carlton Woods on Facebook, Keith, he says, I'm a diehard Buckeye fan, and it w- and this goes back to our conversation about Bosa a little bit ago. Uh, I'm a diehard Buckeye fan, and it was definitely the right move for Nick Bosa to leave and get ready for the draft. Um, I-, I understand his approach and take on that, but you're leaving out a lot of details. of the. <laughs> uh, I mean, that's the big picture approach as to what he did. But if you look at, and again, I, you're not an Alabama guy. You're, I think deep down you like Alabama. I think you spit out a roll <laughs> tide every once in a while. Tua Tagovailoa last year was in a similar situation as Nick Bosa, except Tua decided, even knowing that his season was for sure done, that he was going to stick around and still work out on campus. And he was going to stay and be at every game, be at every practice. He was on the sideline every game supporting his teammates throughout the remainder of the season. Yeah, for probably practice as far yep. as we know. And so when I brought that up a while back, of course that irritated some, but Tua was kind of what you were ex- hoping out of Nick Bosa as far as, hey, it's fine if you're hurt. I mean, it's Ohio State. You mean to tell me their facilities aren't good enough to help you get to the NFL? There were different ways to approach that, but Kevin and I were on opposite sides <laughs> of that as well. I'm not letting you hide over there in the corner. <laughs> I'm, I'm just chilling, saying. Man. I'm telling you. Uh, don't forget that uh, Tua's parents mm-hmm. lived in Tusa. Where are they at? T- T- Tuscaloosa. Tuscaloosa. Yeah, down there in Alabama. Please don't say your Semites. Please don't say <laughs> No. They, his parents are already there. Now, Nick's brother was where? In L.A.? We don't yeah. need the whole family tree. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I'd much rather live in L.A. than Columbus. He didn't need to go live anywhere. He could have lived on campus. Finished I'm just out saying. The season. Okay, if you, you're going to get some pushback. <laughs> I'm just saying. Because I've been in that position. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, you I heard, yeah, that's for my whole senior year. See? Right. But I did everything I could. To, I, I should not have played. You know, but I, you know, it was it's bigger than me. Ohio State is bigger than an individual. I was there at every practice, every game, you know, and I only participated in three of them. And I was there for, for my teammates. And I was a captain. Joe, I mean, Nick Bosa was a captain. I, I'm, they just, I Ohio State just announced their captains yesterday. That means something. I am, with, I am with y'all 100%. I would have preferred him stay and be a good teammate and all that type of stuff. But the lore of your older brother already in L.A. Your older brother ain't already, going nowhere. Your older brother's a, a millionaire <laughs> already. I'm just saying. You're months away from being there. You I, get hurt in September. L.A. going to be open in January and February. Yeah. And you're still going to be training. Tell them. You can say it because you lived it. Right. But Kenner and I have not ah. lived it, so we cannot say that one hundred percent sure, oh man, I would have been a great teammate. I would have So what would you have done? I'd have been in LA. You do you did you deduces to your buckeye. Love y'all. Love y'all. I'ma catch y'all. See? I'ma see y'all. I'm you're gonna captain. Be back. 
He's a bad guy. You're in school. You're a student athlete. You still got classes to take. Huh? <laughs> huh? Huh? Man. Whatever. And then the top it you all off. You don't finish school no well, How much are you working out in L.A.? A ton. My brother is in the NFL. No, you talk about going to L.A. They got different weights out there in L.A. than they got in Columbus. Yeah. Island. I, I heard That's Ohio what they State call them out there. They call them weights. I, I, <laughs> I, I, <laughs> well I won't touch that one. That was pretty good. Pretty, pretty good. I heard, I heard Ohio State's facilities just weren't up to par. They're not that good. So, Best, you know. They got colder ice in and, oh, L.A. But by That's the way, what it is. And you know what it was? He was able to step out of L.A. for a little bit. For the Rose Bowl, he was able to go join, you know, on the biggest game exactly. of the year. Exactly. Oh, yeah, he was able to go. Are y'all in town? Oh, what's up? You know. <laughs> and see, for him, I mean, and that defeats the whole purpose. I mean, if you're Chase Young, you should have gone that route, too. <laughs> Don't fly her into you. You fly to her. How about right. that? <laughs> should have called your boy that was already not in school. Hey, Nick, I need you to fly her out. And <laughs> we good money. Oh, yeah, Gotta right. be smart. Yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> you bring a sand to the beach in L.A., aren't you? Touche. Touche. Justin Kenner, Keith Byers, College Football Hall of Famer with us here in studio. Kev Nash, uh, Justin Kenner, Keith Byers with you here. 457-9464. Or, of course, you can watch us live on Facebook and leave your comments in the comments section. It's a very weird debate from a long time ago, but that's where the conversation led us about Nick Bosa. Again, we're not attacking Nick Bosa. I think he's a bad person or anything. No, it's I love just, Nick. It just the conversation got brought up about I'm not a fan of how that situation was handled. I didn't think it was a good look. Um, and, th- and then Tua, a year later, is in the same situation. The guy Worst that's going to be making you know, millions of dollars on the line. And it ended up working out for him. He obviously got drafted. It looks like he's going to be week one starter, potentially. Um, but he stayed with the team the remainder of the time. But like Kev said, I guess he doesn't have a brother in, in California. Yeah, but, yeah. yeah, I mean, uh, who was that? Who was that a defensive back that played in the bowl game a couple years ago? Oh, uh, Who was that? Uh, that's going to drive me nuts. Was it Lattimore? It was it Lattimore on the uh, award? Was it, it was one of our corners? Was it? They got drafted in the first round. It was the game against War. USC, right? Denzel. Yeah, it was Denzel. Huh. Well, he got punished anyway. He got to go to the Browns, so that's uh, <laughs> you know, that's what he got. And that. Bradley Roby did it too. So yeah. So that yeah. I mean, that, I, I don't. Man, play your. You, you only get one chance to go through it. Play right. it. As we wrap things up, uh, Keith. Because that's going to probably happen again this coming this coming if we have both season. Uh, There's going to be guys. But let me ask you this: So you knew you were going to the NFL. You knew you were going to be a high draft pick. If you, um, if this was if this same scenario was playing out back in your last year at Ohio State, would you have even played it all, or would you have said, you know what? I mean, there's... I, I we're talking about the COVID-19? Yeah, COVID-19. How tough of a decision does Justin Fields have to make? Although he has come out and said, hey, you know what? I'm, I've even once thought about opting out. Has he thought about opting out, and should he think about opting out? Take the fan element out, but, like, you know, with what's on the line for him yes. in his future. That is a, that's a really tough question, and there are only right answers. There's no wrong answers. Whatever you decide to do, that's the right answer. I mean, and for me, at 21 years old, uh, I don't think I have enough experience to make that decision. I'm going to defer to, you know, talk it over with my parents. If that's a decision we came for me to play, I would play. If they say don't, they don't. And I'm sure Justin Fields didn't make this decision, you know, in a bubble all by himself. You know, he talked to his parents. You know, he said, you know, I'm going to go out and play. Uh, wide receiver from Minnesota, I'm sure he did the same thing. He decided, he decided not to play. So they're both right answers. Did we ever finish that? The best receiver in the Big Ten? Or the, <laughs> yeah. I mean, technically, now it's the best Chris receiver. Chris Olave. Yeah, well, yeah. he is now. Definitely. He is the best receiver. <laughs> Chris Olave, with a cl- <laughs> until the season starts, it is going to be a toss-up between him and uh, Garrett Wilson. 
you know, they're going to be the number one receivers at Ohio State. And they're going to be pushing each other. All right, one more time. Again, the, if you're watching, and we are live on Facebook right now. Uh, Keith Byers with us here in studio. Oh, huh. the, the Big Ten schedule was released earlier this morning. Ohio State, uh, their, the, you know, their schedule is out as well. They open up on September 3rd. Camp opens up on Friday, Keith. They, their kickoff night is a Thursday night at Illinois. You brought up a good point earlier. We've seen them open up on Thursday recently. I mean, the, that the was game against the Indiana. Out. We, uh, we heard about Dobbins. J.K. Dobbins. How good is this kid? Wow. Oh, is Weber going to bring him back? J.K.'s he's really good. You could help us settle another debate. J.K. Dobbins, and again, they're all great. The only reason we have these conversations is because, I mean, as you know, the running back history is pretty rich at Ohio State. He's the richest in college football. Uh, yeah, so J.K. We'll just gloss over that. I, 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 richest, I, our, nobody can compete with our running back. You, RBU, RBU, we're RBU, we're DBU. We got, we got quite and if a you few. don't think so, then O-line and you, yeah, O-L-U. <laughs> I'm serious. They, they, but they need to work on the you, linebacker. You, but you know, Ohio they, State they had, a, a, had a drought at running back since the '60s. They have not had a, a drought at running back. You know, Jim Otis, the College Football Hall of Famer, Leo Hayden, you know, uh, Leo Hayden from here, you know, 68 Buckeye team won national championship. You know, Jim Otis into uh, Archie Griffin. <laughs> you know, it just never, and Tim Spencer, Kyle, I mean, Kyle Murray, Tim Spencer, myself, the list goes on and on and on. No, no college can compete. Only college that was close to us at one time was USC. And they fell off, you know, in the, in the 90s, picked up a little bit in the 2000s, but where are they now? You know, there's I, and Auburn had, had a little run, Georgia had a little, but from the 60s, except for 50 years, Ohio State, <laughs> we haven't but, missed yeah, a bit. It's a, it haven't was, missed a beat at the running back position in 50 years. The Big Ten All-Decade team came out, and Zeke was not on that <laughs> first team, Big Ten, you know, all-first team. Either was J.K. We got a conversation about, okay, who was the bigger snub in that, J.K. Dobbins or Zeke Elliott? J.K. Dobbins' stats trump everything about Zeke's career except Zeke holds what he's going to bring up, and that's that, that championship. Uh, if you could only pick one of those to be Big Ten all-decade running back, who are you picking between those two? Well, that's oh, between J.K.? J.K. and Zeke. A year ago, I would have said no, Zeke. Well, yes, I, I would say... Don't lead the witness. No, no, no it's not leading. Badger, it's, Badger no they, pun intended. <laughs> Jonathan Taylor. You know, it's just like, you know, the, the programs feature certain guys. Like, look at Ron Dane at, at, at Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. You know, they're going to make him, you know, 60, 70% of that offense because they're going to run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, and you're going to have a lot of statistics. <laughs> you know, whereas Ohio State's offense was is not built that way. You know, so from Ron Dane to, to Jonathan Taylor, who's the next Wisconsin tailback? Let's put him in here and just grind it out, grind it out. And you're going to have a whole bunch of yards. That's their offense. He was 70%. When we look at the stats, he was 70%. 70, yes. So they're you're, scoring. And, and but, Dobbins was 22%, and he still had as many touchdowns as Jonathan Taylor, but, you know, you're... Yeah, imagine if we weren't throwing the ball different times. If we was gonna hand it, every time we get inside a 25-yard line, three out of four plays are going to go to J.K. How many second halves did J.K. sit out to and all that? Like, I mean, the... So, but you so haven't answered that's why it. statistics mislead you. Political buyers over here. No, no, yeah, I kind of love them both. Uh, but I'm going to go with... Uh, I mean, I'm going to go to Ezekiel because the team won national championship. They won national championship in those last three games of the season. You know, two hundred yards, two hundred yards, two hundred yards. 
and 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 they, and they both are very much deserving. Justin mm -hmm. Fields or Cardell Jones then? Uh, Justin Fields. But, but Cardell, he won that national championship. Yes, yes, he did. He did. But uh, Justin Fields had a more body of work, more than three games. Justin Fields or JT Barrett? Justin Fields. But he was a backup on the. Oh, he was on the. He was fourth string quarterback on the national championship team. He wasn't even there. He was on the scooter. He was. He was. He was in high school. But he was there. Uh, he was in oh, high hell. school. You want to try to save Dwayne so Haskins. <laughs> oh, well, I tried. I tried. By the way, uh, Carlton Woods uh, on Facebook, he says, uh, Zeke, all day. I'll take JK. And it's the initials, as I said before. Those initials. <laughs> JK all day sounds like Zeke all day, too. <laughs> so I like six. You can't go wrong. Who's right. the bad running back this year? No we determined. We don't have good answers, though. All right, the, you can tune into the Keith Byers Show every Monday from noon to 1, the Keith Byers Show presented by Lee's Famous Recipe Chicken. Uh, tune in and hang out with Keith Absolutely. every Monday from noon to 1. Keith, thanks so much for taking time. Thanks for being here at the guys' show. Have a good next hour. All right, well, I wish I would have asked that. He was all my side until that last question. <laughs> Keith, thank you. You're welcome. All right, we'll be back in a moment. Welcome back. Justin Kenner, Kev Nash with you here on Dayton's ESPN Radio Station, 1410 Wing AM. In a jam-packed three-hour show, well, two hours so far. We still have an hour to go. ESPN's uh, first take, Max Kellerman, will be uh, debuting the Max Kellerman Show coming up on August 17th, uh, weekdays from 2 to 3 p.m. right here on Dayton's ESPN Radio Station, 1410 Wing AM. We got to chat with him a little bit ago. If you missed the interview, don't worry. We'll have that up on the website at wingam.com. Make sure you subscribe and download the Justin Kinner Show uh, with Kevin Nash Podcast in your Apple iTunes Google Play Store. If you missed the show, you can always go back and access all previously missed content, so like segments, full all interviews, and shows in their entire uh, you'll be able to find in your Apple iTunes and Google Play Store. Keith Byers from the Keith Byers Show, College Football Hall of Famer. He sat in with us uh, for the last hour and a half and got to chat with him, of course, about the big news that came out earlier this morning. About 8.30, 8.45, the Big Ten released uh, their upcoming 2020 schedule. Keep in mind, about a month, a little over a month ago, the Big Ten was the first conference to come out and announce their plans for the 2020 pandemic-struck season, announcing that they were going to go conference only. And that knocked out Buffalo, that knocked out uh, Bowling Green, in Oregon as far as the three non-conference games for the Ohio State Buckeyes. Uh, and they did not just move the Big Ten schedule up. They went ahead and revamped the entire thing for all Big Ten teams, and uh, we talked about that schedule with Keith Byers. We are live on Facebook as well. Make sure you like the station Facebook page. Um, use the search ESPN 1410 Wing AM. Like the station Facebook page, or you can search the Justin Kenner Show on Facebook. And on Facebook, for our viewers there, you are able to see the Ohio State football schedule that we just put up on the screen. Ohio State opens up on September 3rd at Illinois. Their first home game, whether it'll have fans or not, that's still the big question right now. But their first home game will be on uh, this in week two against Rutgers. They did a cross-divisional game, Kev. They added Purdue on the schedule, and uh, it's a fun one there, the, you know, because it's at Purdue, mm -hmm. Ohio State. The last time they played at Purdue, you were course, there. I was there. It was uh, freezing. It was absolutely miserably cold. And on top of that, you had to deal with a bunch of annoying Purdue fans who need to act like they've been there before, but they haven't. So I guess that, of course, led to... That That was just one of those where I was in shock. In fact, I had no problem watching the Purdue fans have fun because that's what is fun about college sports is mm -hmm. that. I mean, the when the passionate fan base is... I mean, you don't get that feeling in, in pro sports as much. In college, you do. That was a fun night for Purdue fans. It was not a fun night for Buckeye fans. Um, but Ohio State will return to Purdue for the first time 
since that dreary, cold, windy, freezing night. And we don't even know if it'll be a night game. It'll probably be new. I mean, not many opportunities on the schedule for primetime games. Uh, when Byers was in, we were talking about that Ohio State schedule. Uh, they did move the Michigan game up from the final week of the regular season, the traditional spot, up mm-hmm. to week eight. My problem with moving it up to week eight is you moved it up to week eight to increase the chances of getting that game in with the fear and concern of maybe not being able to get a full season. And how does moving it up to week eight increase those chances? I figure if that was really your concern, weeks one through five probably yeah. should have been the main focus as far as that goes. Surprise, surprise. I agree with you. I, I, I know. <laughs> we have exhausting. to break, use the breaking news when we agree with each other. Uh, you're right. Uh, if they were just going to play that late in the season, they might as well just kept it in, in the, the same In the day. regular spot. Um, I would have preferred it if they're going to move it, move it to week two to make sure we get it in. Like, and at night, as Keith Byers is walking out and he can't defend himself, <laughs> play it at night. Under the light. I don't care what anybody says, play it at night. Man, like at 10 o'clock. <laughs> like real late. Yeah. 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 Because Keith said, too, when Byers was, well, he's still in now, but he said, you know, baby steps. You know, he, he's okay with adjusting to the fact that they're not playing the game in the traditional spot to being that last week of the regular season. And I said, well, if tradition is thrown out the window, you might as well move it to that primetime spot. And he said, oh, no, 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 baby steps. You know, you, you can't just eliminate. Yeah, he's like the old school baseball fans. You know, the runner on second base and extra innings, the DH in the National League, pitch clocks. I mean, come on now. It's too much, too much. Too Hold much, on. too soon. Uh, but, no, regardless, Ohio State, that team up north, at the shoe, 20,000 fans or no fans. Who knows what that is going to look like. Regardless, we know what the result's going to be, and that's all that matters. Keith, thank you. Much appreciated. See ya. Um, but yet, I'm looking forward to that game regardless. It's just just like every other game. It's going to look different and definitely feel different oh, yeah. um, as far as that goes. I, I just, like I said, I don't get it. I don't get the purpose of moving the game up. I really, I don't know what that accomplished. Um, had they moved it up to weeks one through three, a lot of people would have found, uh, had a problem with that too. But it would have at least justified their take on, hey, right. we want to move it up to make sure we get it in. The Pac-12, USC, UCLA, there's usually a, a you know, a, Rivalry week tradition, they moved theirs up all the way to week one. Uh, Arizona, Arizona State, same thing. I wasn't expecting week one, as we discussed last week, mainly because, hey, you know what? You kind of need a game or two to ease in. You don't want, yeah. you know, right off the bat. But regardless, there's not a whole lot to complain about. Multiple bye weeks, uh, multiple bye weeks, which makes a lot of sense, including the last week of the regular season. That's an open week. Yeah. Um, there are a lot of weeks within this regular season. The same 14 weeks of the season still exist, and I did agree with their reasoning there. They wanted to include a lot of bye weeks so that if there is a team or a matchup, that they need to pull the plug on that matchup that week, they will have an available date later on to be able to make that game. Yeah, flexibility. Uh, yes, and I think that that's what the Big Ten was able to do and provide themselves that, and I'm excited uh, about that. Regard- I know there's so many what-ifs and question marks out there, but we had these same question marks about baseball when baseball said, okay, here we go, on July, whatever it was, that they were having their opening day, we were like, oh, okay, yeah, we'll, we'll see. We, you know, who, who? Well, here we are 11 games into the season, and there's been a lot of bumps in the road, but the bottom line is, we're still rolling. Mm-hmm. The NBA, oh, there's no way. There's no way the bubble will work. Oh, they, no. yeah, right. We're, they're not going to have, okay, good luck. Good luck getting players to agree to this. They're rolling right now. Zero positive cases. The playoffs around the corner. And, uh, yeah, ratings are through the roof. Right now, everything that has restarted that's going on during this pandemic, although there has been some hiccups, is still rolling. Where there's a will, there's a way. Uh, I just think college athletics has more hills to kind of get over yeah, than, than some of the others but i do think that 
they will figure it out. I think. That, I mean, I, I think once you get to the season and you kick off, I don't. They're going to be stubborn. I don't think they're going to pull the plug. Maybe they could, but I don't think they're going to do it right away. I think that they get a season in. I think we really, really will see. I think we really will see Ohio State kick off in week three. All right. I'm sorry, on September third. My, my I have no doubt about it that they're. The season is going to start. College football is going to start. The biggest question is, can it finish? And that is something that I just don't think is going to happen. We talked to Max about it earlier. You can check out that interview on the website. But uh, I'm 100% with Max. I just don't see it ending well. I just don't see it the whole season getting played. I'm hyped for the season. I want the season. Hell, I need the season. But I just don't see it going all the way through. So whatever games we get, enjoy them. All right, folks, this is what we're going to call one hell of a tease. Billy, thank you for sending this in. Justin, a tense exchange reportedly occurred between Jim Harbaugh and Ryan Day on a Big Ten coaches conference call earlier this week. In the middle of Ryan Day speaking on this conference call, Harbaugh interrupted and accused him and his staff of some some particular things. Coach Day fired back. See, we don't need to wait till week eight. Jim Harbaugh, Ryan Day, already going head-to-head. I like it. We're going to talk about what was said according to this report. Again, we're going TMZ right now. We'll discuss next. I'm thinking of you. What kinder words could be more meaningful at a time like this? At First Florist and Greenhouses, we know everyone is coping the best they can. And when hugs are not possible, a kind word or gesture can bring comfort and a smile. So today, make that phone call or send a heartfelt note to someone you care about. And if you'd like to send a fresh bouquet of flowers, we can help with that. We're First Florist and Greenhouses at 1306 Troy Street in Dayton, a local family-owned business since 1905. And we're thinking of you. With Kev Nash. Back to the famous WING Studios. Here's Justin Kinner and Kev Nash. Everybody, welcome back. Justin Kinner, Kev Nash with you here on Dayton's ESPN Radio Station, 1410, Wing AM. All right, so uh, it was interesting. Uh, a friend of mine, Billy, he passed this on into the show. Looking it over, it looks really intriguing. Looks really intriguing. Um, we all know the drama between Ohio State and Michigan, and it's always disappointing when you always have to wait till the. I mean, we we like that it's the last week of the regular season, but it's just disappointing that you have to wait so long to get to that game at the end of the regular season. Um, he passed on this post that came out from the Winged Helmet. It's a it's like a Michigan fan site, uh, and of course, right away people are like, "Oh, you're going to trust a fan site?" Well, I mean, this is coming from the people that follow nothing but Ohio State fan blogger sites all over the place. So yes, uh, now this is. The winged helmet on Facebook, and again, looking it over, we're gonna just we're rolling with this. It's intriguing. <laughs> I would like to see this report come out more by other outlets, but I'm just this is something I just hope is true. Vince McMahon and WWE couldn't write a better script than this right here. This is has just an intense exchange reportedly occurred between Jim Harbaugh and Ryan Day on a Big Ten coaches conference call earlier this week, Kevin. As we heard on the on the uh, on the show earlier this morning, um, when they were debut, when they were of course releasing the schedule, they said there were probably over a hundred to four hundred combined calls during the last month and a half. You know, putting all this together, some with all the coaches, just some individual coaches, so on and so on. 
So in a, in a Big Ten coaches conference call earlier this week, the report states that while Ryan Day was speaking, Jim Harbaugh interrupted and accused Day and his staff of violating the rules by having on-field instruction and drills. And apparently Harbaugh had never heard of this kind of practice before. So, uh, you know, he was really confused. <laughs> like, wait, you, you're coaching your team? You're you're actually helping them improve? Um, you know, rather than, this is what amazes me, rather than be mad at Ohio State, be Ohio State. Do what they do. But anyways, um, and that's why I always say about Ohio State fans in Alabama. Everyone's like, they schedule easy. Look at their schedule. Look what they do. Well, don't hate them. Be them. Because Citadel. they're the ones in the championship game every year. They're the ones in the playoff every year. Don't hate. Be them, uh, as far as that goes. So, uh, Jim Harbaugh interrupted an accused day and his staff of violating the rules by having on-field instruction, which was not permitted until Friday of this week. So, what, last week or this week? This oh, week. duh, camp. Oh, my God, I'm losing my mind. All right, so Harbaugh also reportedly singled out former assistant Al Washington. Gee, I wonder why he would do that. And referenced a photo that had surfaced of Washington working with the OSU linebackers. The report says that Ryan Day fired back saying, how about I worry about my team, and you worry about yours. And Got spies in Columbus? I, I mean, why not? Why not? I mean, that, that's what adds that. Traitors living you know, in Columbus. The rivalry is more interesting outside of the game itself right now because the games themselves, they're boring. It's just, I mean, they're not boring. It's always fun watching Ohio State whoop up on them a little bit, but after, you know, they're up by 28, it's like, okay, how about that Big Ten championship game? How about that uh, potential Clemson matchup in the playoff? How about that potential national championship? It's on to the next bigger thing, which, I, you know, it is what we're going on almost a decade now, and it's fun. But the game itself is eh. But all the outside noise is what keeps this rivalry fun. It goes on to say that uh, Day fired back, saying, hey, how about I worry about my team, you worry about yours. After the call, Day, again, according to this report, says, told his team that the conference better have a mercy rule or the Buckeyes are going to hang 100 points on the Wolverines. And you, can just, and you can just imagine the comment section. Again, the winged helmet on Facebook. You know, it is what it is. I mean, I got this sent in. I read it. It's interesting. Look into it. I don't know. I've yet to. Have you come across a report like this from anywhere else? No. My brother actually sent me the same thing roughly around the same time you sent it to me. Uh, I'm here for it. I love it. This is what we love about college football. The rivalries. The action. As the kids would say. The smoke. I want all the smoke. I, I mean, Harbaugh's proven he can't handle the smoke. Hey. He couldn't even handle secondhand smoke. I mean, that's <laughs> that's where we're at with this rivalry. I mean, it is what it is. I mean, they're lucky. I mean, Harbaugh is literally single-handedly almost ruining the perception of this rivalry because he can't find a way to put a competitive enough team to be able to beat the Buckeyes. And I don't want to hear from Michigan fans that, oh, you know, you know, Michigan, he's actually taken them, you know, he's improved them from the previous couple coaching stabs and everything. I don't care. If your goal is just to get slightly better, then become a Reds fan. Uh, it, you know, and that's the case. If you want to actually be a fan of a team that's going to go to that next level and turn into a championship – Follow the Buckeyes. I don't want to hear it. This is why the rivalry has kind of died down, Kev, because to have a fun rivalry, both teams have to be you know, pursuing the same thing. You can't say that about Michigan. They may want to win national championships. Everyone wants to. All right, Michigan may want to make the playoff. They may want to win a national championship. But there's a difference between wanting something and making it happen. And for the last 20 years, Ohio State has been doing nothing but making in the whole existence of the program. But you see my point for going from, of course, Jim Trestle, uh, you know, into Urban Meyer and now into Ryan Day. There is no hoping to win. There's no trying. It's th that's what they do. Ohio State is 
one of the top three programs in the country every single year. Now, the playoff, yes, they've missed it a couple times recently. I've been, you know, very critical of that, too, at least in return, at least in regards to being realistic about why they were left out of the playoff. I don't believe that ESPN has a vendetta against Ohio State or anything like that. It's called don't get beat by 30 and give up 50 to Purdue. Don't get, you know, don't get beat by 30 and give up 50 to Iowa. Hey, 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 hey. We're bashing Michigan right now, not the Buckeyes. I'm just, I'm just making sure people understand where I'm coming from here. Bottom line is, is that even with all that, Ohio State is still head and shoulders above perception-wise where Michigan is. And I'm not doing the whole tired shtick that you know Ohio State radio hosts and media do of, oh, boo the blue and all that stuff. I don't care about that aspect of it. That this is just the reality of it. Mm-hmm. And it's stuff like that that's, that's I love about it. At least this is Jim Harbaugh showing some fights. For the first time in a while, he's showing some fights. You see that report that he lost out on one of the top recruits they were pursu- pursuing because he wore cleats into a recruit's kitchen or something uh, in the hardwood floors and scratched it all up. First of all, why are you wearing cleats in the house? And, right. Dude, you, you played football. You would know that. Like, I mean, I mean when hard- I would come home from football practice, first thing my mom was like, take them damn cleats off. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, maybe Harbaugh hasn't taken those cleats or khakis. or I mean, every time you see him, he's wearing the same exact thing. Has the guy been showered or changed since taking over in Michigan? Or no, he has a closet just full of the same outfit. Oh, my goodness. If you're just tuning in, um, catch us live on Facebook, by the way. Head to the Facebook page. Search The Justin Kinner Show or search ESPN 1410 Wing AM. Watch us live. Um, you'll be able to comment in the comment, sesh, uh, comment section. We'll be able to bring your comment in and interact with you that way. Or give us a call at 457-9464. Have you heard this report? Is it floating around out there? Again, it's coming to us in the middle of the show. Um, so I'll go investigate more afterwards. But, uh, again, I hope this is a story I hope is true. You know, I'm not going to sit here and say that this definitely happened, but I'm really hoping it happened. I want that little chippiness to be going on. I hope Ryan Day said, hey, the Big Ten better have a mercy rule because we're going to hang 100 on Michigan. Can you imagine? It's one thing to beat your opponent, but to beat down your opponent, it's completely different. Completely I want different. it. I want it. I need it. You want the smoke? Yes. All of it. So we have a Reds lineup. So we're going to get to that coming up on the other side of the break. Reds and Indians tonight. 7-10 will be your first pitch. 6-40 will be the pregame. Last night, the Reds lost a tough one to the Indians. We opened up the show and people just went in on David Bell. I thought when we started the show today, it was going to be passionate Big Ten Buckeye fans about the release of the schedule. And all anybody wanted to talk about was Ryan, or Ryan Day. It was uh, David Bell and the Cincinnati Reds. David Bell is not making a lot of fans right now, not making a lot of friends. So let's talk some Reds on the other side. Last night's loss. Do you blame on the bullpen or do you blame on David Bell? Let's play the blame game. I love playing the blame game. (laughs) I love it. I make a lot of mistakes in my life. I just like finding other people who make mistakes. Let's play the blame game. The bullpen or David Bell. What cost the Reds the game last night in their 4-2 loss against the Cleveland Indians? And what will happen tonight in Game 3? We'll discuss with the lineup next. Radio and on the stream at wingam.com. Everybody, Justin Kinner, Kev Nash, back with you here on 1410 ESPN Radio, streaming live at wingam.com. And, of course, we are live on Facebook. Make sure you like the Justin Kinner show. I mean, I just love that show, especially when they brought Stephen A. back. Yeah. That's when it really kind of came back to life again and when ESPN invested everything into him and kept him the, the face of not only that show but pretty much ESPN right now. Um, that show has just continued to roll. But Max has done a, a good job. I love Max. Him. Yeah, it's a good balance, and he puts up with the abuse. <laughs> Put it that way. I know the feeling. 
I know the feeling. Whatever, yo. Uh, I'm a big Max fan. Um, like I said before, uh, I grew up on boxing in the 90s, like when boxing was at its peak. Uh, at least for my generation it was and then obviously it took a dip so getting back into boxing now that we're dealing with a whole new world you know you're starving for any type of live sports to watch so boxing and mma were the first sports that really come back so i hey i'll give mma a shot for finally i'll dip back into <laughs> boxing finally you know so getting back into those sports um i agree a lot of the times with max me and Max have like some of the same opinions outside of the Carmelo Anthony thing. Because you guys are trying to say, oh, the world's ending! <laughs> so. No sports! No fun! Ah! <laughs> the Kev Nash story. Indeed, indeed. So With the um, Ford by Max Kellerman. <laughs> right, right. That would be awesome. Uh, so to have Max on our airwaves is going to be awesome. Definitely going to be tuned into that right before our show. Absolutely. And uh, when I said I sprinted home to watch first take, uh, What's up, Brady? Brady on Facebook says Sprint. Kenner? Well, it's not my phone service, I tell you that much, so there you go. And I do not sprint, so there's that. All right, let's talk a little Reds, and let's start things off. The Reds back in action tonight. Reds and Indians game three of a four-game split home-and-home series. And the Reds had a tough loss last night in game two, in a game that really should have belonged to the Reds. Uh, 2-0 lead heading into the sixth inning. Tyler Malley was rolling 96 pitches, and he had had a few innings at the beginning of the game where he had thrown over 20 pitches, and he was getting better as the game went on I mean he had his last three innings he had less than than uh, I think less than 20 in the last two he had less than 18 in both of those innings he was getting better as the game went along and there's a certain point throughout the broadcast the cowboy he basically just stops Tommy Thraw in the middle of, of him speaking and saying you know they're gonna look at his pitch count and justify taking him out based on that but I love what the cowboy said after he said you win you, you play to win the game tonight. You don't make a decision because you're worried about what he could look like five days from now. If you're in position to win a game, you go and close that game out and get a win. The bullpen for the Reds has struggled all season. Why would you give them three innings to try to close this out when your starting pitcher is taking care of business? Before we get more into that and get to your calls and comments, let's go ahead and take a look at the Reds lineup for tonight. If you're watching on Facebook, uh, you could see the, the Reds lineup that we just put up on the screen. Head to Facebook. Take a look at the lineup. Uh, but if you're listening on air or on the stream, I have it right here for you. How about this, David Bell? Continuing to stick with this lineup consistently. A little couple guys moving around a little bit. Uh, but overall, I like this lineup. Shogo Akiyama will lead things off in left field and bat first. Nick Castellanos will bat second and in right field. Joey Votto at first base batting third. At third and in the cleanup spot. Batting fourth. Welcome to the party, Eugenio Suarez. Finally went long last night. He's batting fourth. Jesse Winker, the DH. He's 0 for a million. He's batting fifth. I don't get how he's batting that high up in the order. How is he batting ahead of Nick Senzel? How is he even pitching ahead of, uh, hitting ahead of the pitcher right now? Jesse Winker batting fifth. Nick Senzel in center field batting sixth. Josh Van Meter at second base batting seventh. Freddie Galvis, the shortstop, batting eighth. And Tucker Barnhart behind home plate tonight. Batting ninth, T.J. Antone, the pitcher for tonight. Again, uh, the Reds had to reshuffle their rotation, and we'll talk about that conversation right now, which I still think is a little comical. I don't know why we're having MVP discussions 11 games in. I know it's only a 60-game season, um, but it is nice to at least have that kind of conversation. Nick Castellanos having a fantastic year, and they move him up above Joey Votto. And 
I, look, and bottom line is, is I, I don't even want Joey Votto batting in the two spot to begin with right now, although it's, it's more justified to bat him two right now in this year uh, than in years past when he struggled. But I don't, I don't get why the, 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 all of a sudden, why the, why the, why the swap? Why Joey Votto at batting third now and not batting second? Joey Votto was adamant, wanted to bat second. Uh, Eugenio Suarez has struggled all season, finally hits a home run last night, and now all of a sudden he's in the cleanup spot batting fourth. Jesse Winker, the DH, and the, D, the Reds' DH production has been the worst in the league. They have one hit amongst all the guys that have, who have hit DH this year. Why? Why is he batting fifth? What, what has he done to deserve hitting ahead of Nick Senzel, ahead of even Josh Van Meter? Freddie Galvis, Tucker Barnhart, I mean, give me a break as far as that goes. But I can nitpick a lineup all day. I could nitpick a rotation all day. Um, but the bottom line is is that David Bell, I do think, is a, is a solid manager. However, he has made a lot of questionable decisions that has cost the Reds a lot of games. So it is, is easy to be negative at times, and I try to be positive, especially when they're winning. There's a lot of things I look at when the Reds are winning that I want to critique, but I'm like, you know what? If the decisions David Bell makes is leading to wins, I don't care. But when people try defending the decisions he makes in losses, I'm like, what are your decision? You're... you're Defending decisions that lead to losses. And uh, that I can't put up with. Chris Cunningham, he messages into the show on Facebook. uh, The Reds' bullpen sucks, and so does David Bell. Uh, And remember, some of these, we started the show today thinking it was going to be a heavy college football day. It was going to be a heavy, uh, you know, Ohio State Buckeye day. And people, the second the show started, just went in on David Bell. (laughs) Just went in. On David Bell. Um, how about this one? It's a short, and this comes from Sean. He says, it's a shortened season anyhow. Uh, why can red starters that are really good go 7-8 or complete games? Explain that to me, please. Wanting to understand why that won't happen. I'm not a big fan of throwing a guy out for nine innings if you don't have to. Mm-hmm. Um, all I'm asking is for seven. Seven innings. Seven good quality innings is all I'm asking for out of a starting pitcher, and David Bell prematurely pulls him out. Now, if you have a great bullpen and you can trust your bullpen to come in and get you nine outs, if you can go to your bullpen in innings seven, eight, and nine and then get you nine outs to close out the back third of the game, then you know what? More power to you. You wouldn't hear a peep out of me. But when you continuously know that your bullpen's numbers are bad, that they are bad, and you continue to go to them in big and high-pressure situations, it's on David Bell at that point. Uh, You had asked earlier at what point does it become the player's responsibility to go in and play well. It is their responsibility to go in and play well, but at the same time, we kind of know what to expect at this point. And last night I said, had David Bell gone to the bullpen in the eighth inning, had he let Tyler Malley go out for one more inning, you know, had he been able to go out and, you know, complete seven innings and then go to the bullpen in the eighth and then the lead is given up, then you know what? I can, That's not on David Bell. Then that becomes the player's fault. But when you are making decisions where... You are giving the bullpen three innings to get you out of a game when they have no business pitching more than one or two, then I have a problem with it. That was on David Bell last night. So if you're tuning in on Facebook or listening on the stream or on the air, you can call in at 457-9464 or leave your comments in the comments section on Facebook. Was last night's loss on the bullpen or on David Bell? And I don't want to hear both. Because the bullpen has struggled. You know what you get with the bullpen at this point. And I can handle the bullpen blowing it in the 8th or ninth inning. It doesn't mean that it's not going to hurt. But those are the innings you are supposed to go to your bullpen in. Not the 6th, not the 5th. And it's not like the, the starters have been bad. Tyler Malley wasn't slowing down. He was only getting better as the game went on. Last night's loss was on David Bell. They're forgivable in 162-game seasons. They are not forgivable in 60-game seasons. 
Five and five was the record of the Reds heading into last night's matchup. Now five and six. Again, under five hundred. But I mean, this is a five hundred ball club at the moment, and that starting pitching is World Series esque. That's the problem I have. And the decisions being made by David Bell is leading to bad losses. And that's why it is getting frustrating as far as that's concerned. Mike on Facebook says, does David Bell have any kids because he... Oh, no, i got to pull that one off. Damn it, i got to make sure I read these before I... <laughs> it was pretty funny, though. <laughs> took it off of Facebook already? I, I, I mean, basically to sum it up in a nicer way that he shouldn't have any kids because he... Oh, yeah, righty, got it, got it. He got likes it. to pull the starter out early. To sum up. <laughs> you, you I thought it was going to be the other way, but I got that one as well. See, yeah. I can't think of it any other way. I thought that was a pretty funny way uh, to go there. But no, regardless, tonight, the Reds and the Indians game three. Um, and, and again, you got the message earlier. A couple guys yesterday, a couple Reds fans were messaging into the show, giving you some heat because you're an Indians fan saying, hey, that yes, you know sir. what? The Reds are going to sweep the Indians. They should, I mean, the Indians' lineup right now is just not producing any runs. So, Nothing. I mean, the bullpen made the offense look better than what they actually are playing Thanks. right now. But who knows? Maybe that kind of woke up the lineup for the Indians, and they come out swinging again tonight. Antone is not at the level of a Trevor Bauer or a Luis Castillo or a Sonny Gray. And Tyler Malley pitched a gem last night, and you have to be impressed with what Anthony DiScafani's brought to the table. So... It's going to be an interesting run here. These are must-win games for the Reds. They have to win tonight. They have to win tomorrow. They have to take some momentum into the series with the Brewers this weekend, a conference game. It's very, a conference game, a division game that's very important. Let's hope so. Kind of. That's all you got? How are you an Indian? Kind of. You can't even comment on the Indians. No, comment I can comment Indians. on the Indians, but people don't want to hear my takes on the Indians, man. This is, you know, this is Reds country. That's but not true. There's some Indians fans out there. Well, it's all about if uh, Tito gets back. When Tito gets back, I'm sure he can tweak the lineup a little bit and motivate the guys because he's one of those guys that go by feel, not just by a spreadsheet. Um, once he gets back, I think the Indians will be playing a lot better um, offensively. Um, the pitching has been there all season long. Uh, speaking on the game last night, like we talked about in the first hour, I was flipping back and forth, and I was really just waiting for the bullpen to come in. I didn't know when it was going to come in. I, I thought he was going to keep him in, to be perfectly honest, the way he was pitching. I thought he was going to leave him in at least till 7th, 8th. He should have. He should and have. And he didn't. And that's why we won. Because he pulled him and put in that great bullpen, y'all. And we went to town and we got the dub. And, and no, Amir Garrett? Amir Garrett disappeared for a while. Strope, and, and let's be clear here, too. You go out and get Strope in the offseason, a, a veteran bullpen arm, which I thought was a great addition, and he comes in and looks flat as well. Uh, so it, it is what it is at this point. But uh, when you have people continue, I mean, on Twitter last night, too, people blowing up my Twitter just defending David Bell. And, and basically, I mean, I love when the, the analytical people try to you know, act like they're the smartest guy in the room. And I'm not pretending to be the smartest guy in the room. I just admit I'm not. But... Sometimes you just got to use common sense. Yeah. When you're continuously defending decisions backed by numbers that keep leading to losses, they're just just—they're more impressed that David Bell is using the analytics to manage a game, and they don't care about the only stat that actually matters, and that's wins. Right. Like, there are literally, you should see Twitter. Reds fans are happy after every Reds game based on David Bell's decision-making because he's using, not everyone uses analytics. I, you know, I always have to make sure I clarify that. Analytics is used in every sport right. to a certain degree. But that those advanced analytics, those stats that, you know, the dumb people can't comprehend. You know, me, I'm dumb, apparently. According to a lot of those guys, because I don't understand those, I don't need to understand them. I watch baseball my entire life without understanding that, and it got me, you know, this far in understanding the sport. And the old school way, 
was the best way. I mean, as far as ratings, I mean, you're gonna you're gonna tell me that the sport needs to have changed to this logic. When, while using this logic, it has led to the lowest ratings in baseball history, uh, no development of stars, um, ratings are down the tube as far as even the World Series is that's concerned. Why are we always bashing baseball's history when baseball's history is better than what it is now? You should always want to be better today than what you were yesterday. You can't say that about baseball. And David Bell's managerial process, it, it just doesn't work. It's, not, it's inconsistent. It's a 60-game season. They're on pace to be about 30 and 30, maybe even under that. And that rotation is too dang good for them to be sitting here, wonder, I mean, wondering if they can make the. If they don't make the playoffs, I, you, we've talked about this before. Does any manager deserve to be fired after a COVID-struck season in any sport? I'm not calling for David Bell's job, but his seat better be pretty warm heading into next year if they don't make the playoffs this year. Playoffs have been extended. More mm-hmm. team, more than half the league is allowed in the playoffs. If the Reds don't make the playoffs. This year especially, with this rotation, with the way that this lineup has been able to produce, and they've had some off nights, don't get me wrong, but when you're having an MVP-like season from Castellanos, uh, you have a, a bounce-back year from Joey Votto. Uh, we've yet to see Moustakis really get hot since the first couple games of the season, but you're getting con- you know, Shogo Akiyama coming into his own. You're having Nick Senzel, when healthy, is one of the best hitters in this lineup. You're getting contributions all over the place. If you don't make the playoffs, David Bell's seat better be extremely hot heading into next year. And I have a feeling that the Reds are going to pull a page out of the Bengals' playbook and just be comfortable with losing like they were with Marvin Lewis for 16 years. And that is my biggest concern where, hey, we're okay with the trying hard and looking good trying hard but we're not going to pay attention to the results. I think that's where the Reds are headed with David Bell because, for one, his dad works in the front office, so there's going to be no hurry to get David out of there. You it's think be that? You think so? After all the money they spent in the offseason? To try to get better? But they just I think, don't continue to do that? But to that point, I think that's what makes David Bell's performance even worse. You know, it's easy. You can get away. Brian Price survived off of bad roster after bad roster after bad roster with the Reds. Uh, I mean, how? I mean, they had no consistency within the lineup. Their pitching was just absolutely abysmal. I mean, heck, two of the guys within the Reds' bullpen now were starters for the Reds back when David Bell was mm-hmm. there and Lorenzen uh, and Garrett and, the, and those guys. So, to me, the more talent you give a manager, the more talent you give a coach, the more pressure and expectations are on you. That's why it's easy to manage a rebuilding team. It was easy for David Bell last year managing a team that had expectations to improve. But when you're expecting to make the playoffs and you don't, that's on David Bell, especially when he's the reason they're losing based on their decisions. The problem is, is he's able to go into their office and say, hey, you wanted me to use analytics. Every decision I made was based on the analytics you wanted me to use, but the result's not what you want, so you're still going to you know, move on from me at some point for that. It, it's just a weird makeup in baseball right now as far as that goes. Yeah, my biggest problem with advanced analytics is you take the feel out of the game. You put guys that do number crunching ahead of the guys that actually play the game or yep. played the game and that's that's big man like this this game is about feel man it's about that gut instinct it's a, it's all about that man and, and that's how we grew up watching the game and learning the game like when you watch major league baseball and i mean you know the whole money ball era and everything like that well you know what that got the reds they didn't get them a world series championship either so yeah <laughs> like I just of all the sports is the World Series the hardest of all the sports out there. Let's just use pro for now. What is the hardest championship to win? 
I think it's the World Series. That's why I'll never put a World Series or bust on any roster, any team out there. I mean, look at how good the Dodgers have been for how many years now, and they win that division yeah, every yeah. year. Uh, I think it's the hardest to win. Like in the yeah. NBA, when you head into a season, more times than not, that team is winning that championship or at least in the finals. Yeah. It's not every – I mean, the Nationals last year, no, especially after losing Bryce Harper – it, there was no way anyone expected them to win the World Series, and they did it. It's about the right place at the right time, who's hot at the right time, who's healthy at the right time. 162 games, you're playing for more than – I mean, spring training is starting in, what, February, and you're wrapping up in October? Yeah. I mean, you get January, Play. November, and December off. <laughs> the, nine season. months. I think the World Series is the toughest sport to win a championship in professionally – and that's why I'll never put a championship or bust, but you damn well better be making the playoffs if you're the Reds with that rotation, especially yeah, in the expanded playoff pool. I agree. I will rank it Major League Baseball, Hockey, NFL, NBA. Because in hockey, man, we've seen so many eight seeds win big-time matchups and go to the hockey championships and everything like that. So hockey is definitely one of those sports as well. But, yeah, baseball for sure. Like, you got to have the pitching. You got to have a lot of things go right in your favor. And like you said, it's the longest season of them all. So you got to hope injuries go in your favor as well. Uh, Ron says, wow, Justin, uh, you keep talking about Bengals and Marvin Lewis and your Browns have yet to smell. What does that, again, like what does that have to do with anything, Ron? Which Ron? Ron Moreland on Facebook. Oh. He's, he's upset that I use facts about his Bengals to prove a point. And that point was your team for 16 years. Put up with mediocrity. So the real Ron. The, well, I don't know. It just depends. The other Ron was quiet today. <laughs> he was quiet today. Reds-Indians coming up. It's a big game tonight. 6.40 is going to be the pregame. 7.10 the first pitch. Take a look at the lineup as we close things out here. By the way, if you missed the interview with Max Kellerman, head to wingam.com. Check it out. You're not on the, on the camera. Just wait. I'll, I'll give okay. you your time. You know, Max <laughs> Kellerman, check that out. Download the Justin Kinner Show in your Apple iTunes, Google Play Store. Uh, you'll be able to access that interview there as well as our conversation with College Football Hall of Famer Keith Byers about the College Football Big Ten schedule that was released earlier this morning and, of course, your precious Buckeye schedule that was released. Z. September 3rd, Ohio State at Illinois. They kick off the season. You can show them the, okay. you know, wear your mask. Just a heads up, everybody. I have my mask. Wear your mask. That is all. I mean, you're not wearing it now. I am now. Hold on. Before we go. We're going to do a whole show in a mask one day. Do I sound any different? Well, no, we're not. I'm not going to wear a mask. You can't breathe. <laughs> do I sound different? I mean, I'm not, I mean the, the mask is more dangerous than anything. <laughs> Unbelievable. And by the way, all you hypocritical parents out there, my kid's not going to wear a mask to school. Uh-oh, then Halloween gets here and all of you put masks all over your kids. Yeah, I done got them started. Wear a mask. Stop being selfish. How about that? We were rolling until then. All right, folks. Reds, Indians, big one for the Reds. They have to win tonight. They have to win tonight. David Bell gave one up last night. He, They, they need to get that one back tonight, especially at Cleveland. We'll see. Are you moving your mouth? I can't I'm see. I'm smiling under here. All right. That's what I thought. <laughs> All right, folks. Have a great night. Check out the Reds lineup if you're watching on Facebook on the way out. Reds, Indians, 710, the first pitch, 640, the pregame, right here on Dayton's home of the Reds, 1410 ESPN Radio.